and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and dresses up as Sting for one of the most important areas of professional wrestling. This episode is going to be about World War Three, 1997, and oh boy am I looking forward to the main event. Who doesn't love gimmick matches? Of course I couldn't do this alone, and not only because it's quite the undertaking this week. My co-host, who I hope never defect to the other company, first off, Fergus Looney, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just had a really good sleep after, um, I think, after watching that show. Can't wait to talk about it. Cannot wait. Not during the show? No, I managed to get through it just about. <laughs> and of, co- of course, from the other side of the world, basically, Connor O'Donnell. How are you doing, Connor? <laughs> I'm good. Other side of the world? Yeah, basically. I guess that's kind of yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, gl- I'm glad that watch was over as well. I'd much rather uh, listen to World War Three talk about this song, World War Three by KMFDM. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. And with the biggest show of the WCW year looming, we have important nitros. I feel like I'm saying this every po- podcast, more and more important nitros. We're going to go straight to the nitro recap. Connor, what's been happening? We are live chronicling the past month of WCW Monday Nitro in our number one of this podcast. It's the most controversial event in the history of our sport, the Montreal Screwjob. I was actually kind of unsure how WCW was going to react to the Screwjob, but surprise, surprise, they exploit the shit out of it. So following the Survivor (laughs) Series, the NWO hit the ring with Canadian flags which I, I remember seeing this in highlight packages. They claim Bret Hart is the newest member of the NWO. Mean Gene, of course, plugs the hotline referencing the Screwjob, says that Bret has alleged confrontations with the imposing promoter. Guys, I find it hilarious that, like, Bischoff goes on rants about Meltzer on his podcast, but here they are. They're, like, constantly monetizing the dirt sheets. Like, it's fucking carnies. <laughs> well, I, I wonder what, what kind of skim Gene was giving to them so that he could hawk his, his hotline, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume he gets all the profits. He, he's, uh, he's as you said, just throwing over percentages so he can be on air with it. Or Hogan just gave it to him in a throwaway. Yeah, yeah, you can plug your own thing every once in a while, and he just does it every time he's on air. But, yeah, the, uh, I've always hated hated the hypocriticalness of this, of all the dirt sheets never get it right. Oh, they're not in the industry. They don't get it. Except all those times they do get it right, and all those times you profit off the fact that there is dirt sheets and there is fans willing to read them and wanting news from your companies. They should also do it. Like, I'm not criticizing that they do it. They 100% should have jumped yeah, on this. Sure. And when and when you look back at the Montreal Screwjob, every time I look back at hit the history, I'm like, how did this not destroy the WWF? And how did WCW not leverage this into, like, severely hurting WWF's ability to ever sign another person? Because this is... This looks so bad for Brett. Like even looking back at it now, yeah, Brett is a bit of a mark, and Brett is a bit of a—you could call him a lot of things. But this is such a breach of trust for a person. I don't know how people go back to working for WWF after this. But then, as we said, carnies do carny things. I guess I was being a little hard on WCW for sure. It, it, they definitely should be reporting this stuff. It, I was just kind of poking fun at them. It's the oh, whole yeah. thing too. Mean, mean Gene got it wrong with. He like spread the rumor that Brian Pillman died of like a cocaine overdose. 
She got a lot of heat for that. <laughs> just wow. like, things like that. It's like you have to be careful of how you spread these rumors as well. What and a obviously, rumor as well. Yeah, pick yep. your spots. Yeah, you'd want to be correct on that one for sure before yeah. you before you put that one up. All right. I mean, I don't. I don't know if there's not if there's a lot awful lot more that they could have done to exploit it, Dave. To be fair, I think really it points out not to get into too much WWF talk, but uh, it shows you how good Vince is with how much he was able to swing it back in his favor. So, Yeah, it, it does feel like something is lined, lined up for them. Not As you said, not to get into too much details, but originally, you know, we all know the, the, the story now that the screw job led to Brett not doing much in the future in WCW. It led to Austin being able to have the ultimate enemy, which is his boss, and every, you know, blue-collar American wants to punch or stunner his boss at one stage. But originally, Vince thought that he'd be the good guy in all this. So when it start going bad, and we're going to get a bit into this episode about how it started going bad for them at the start of the screw job, Vince thought the crowd would be on his side. How dare Brett not not you know not listen to what he had to say? A, a lot a lot of things look bad for the WWF, particularly the following week on Nitro. We have a big jump. So the NWO revealed the actual newest member of the NWO. It's Ravishing Rick Rude. It's the famous Monday where Rude appears on the tape raw and a live Nitro same on the same time. night. I think I heard too. Uh, it depends on what market you're in. He was on ECW the same week as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really, it's, it's a thing that's probably never going to happen in the business again. It's really cool looking back on. But uh, let's start with Rude in general coming into WCW. What do you guys think about Rick Rude? I never saw his WCW days. I only know his WWF days. What do you guys think? Yeah, so it's very rose-tinted glasses because obviously he's not the biggest impact now. He was part of a big act in the WWF at the time. He was D-Generation X's manager, but they won't miss him that much as an overall performer. So I have rose-tinted glasses because I love it because I love old Rick Rude when he was able to wrestle before he sustained the back injury that Sting gave him. That's how I feel, but I don't know if I would have felt like that if I was watching at the time because he's essentially just a cool manager. He's just another DiBiase. They've got another DiBiase, and DiBiase wasn't actually a big deal if we look back at it and the impact he's had. Now, if you're going to have someone jump ship, I don't think there's a better way to do it than the shaving your beard to make sure the fans know which show you came to second <laughs> approach. So the way he jumps is extremely cool, and he has an immediate impact because of that. But I, I, long term, this isn't exactly a, a stellar talent that's going to pack venues, you know. Yeah, it's just a, it is a short term pop, like, but it's another thing just that they can hold over them. Like, well, we took another guy from you. He's meant to be part of one of your big acts, but I loved R- Rude when I was growing up. It's an upper body business, guys. That's the only way to go about it. And he's still memeable today <laughs> for that very fact. Like, <laughs> you'll still see that gift doing the rounds regularly enough. But yeah, he was great. I do remember him quite well, quite fondly as the Intercontinental Champion and so on. So yeah, it's cool to see him. I, I doubt I'll see him very much more after this. <laughs> I believe he becomes Kurt Henning's manager. So I think we'll see a little bit of him. I was about to say, when you mentioned two of the most underrated workers, not not now, now they're both talked about a lot, but at the time, maybe the two most underrated workers were both Hennig and, and Rude. And uh, I, I think Hennig is even, I'm sorry, I think Rude is even possibly better than Hennig and Rude doesn't get discussed enough when you're talking about all-time greats. He just never was put in that real main event kind of slot. Though, apparently he was pretty liked in Japan. So we mm-hmm. were talking about the cast before the cast started about his injury. And he sustained it in 1994, you guys were saying? I think it's four. Mm-hmm. Against uh, Sting. 
in a show in Japan for New Japan. And he beat Sting for their like heavyweight intercontinental title. So I don't know. <laughs> for a guy that was kind of perennial mid Carter all his life in America to be beating people like Sting over in Japan isn't a small deal. Probably his technical wrestling was a bit more appreciated over there. Yeah, definitely. That he's definitely has that technical edge that you can succeed in Japan. But also I think Rick Rude also was while at the level of Hennig, but I think Rick Rude was a better promo for sure than Hennig. So I think that's Such where he differentiated promo. himself. And Such he goes promo. on to deliver a shoot style promo on Nitro, which was very, it was just out of nowhere. He calls out Vince and Shawn Michaels saying they're what's wrong with professional wrestling. Like, what do you guys think of this promo? It's very odd. We, we, we talked about that. It's like, is, is he doing a face promo? It's very weird. Dave, Dave share your thoughts on what do you think about this promo? So there's two sides to it. I do like the promo. I like these type of shoots that are like based in reality, but you're not breaking kayfabe. So you're still like, I hate that person because they fixed a wrestling match. They're not going, Vince had a contract with Brett and broke it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Or they're not saying, oh, well, Brett was supposed to win the match. And they're saying it in wrestling terms, like he got, it's still, he got screwed. Not he got, uh, not this fixed fight was fixed even more. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I like that type of sh- shoot. It's still based in the wrestling reality. Do you think it needed to be that deliberate though? Like, because th- other times they've like alluded to, as as I just mentioned before, like Gene is like, oh, alleged confrontations with the opposing promoter. But this time is like he's calling out Vince McMahon. He says Shawn Michaels. Like it's directly, you know who he's talking about. So I I think it is because the screw job is so big. I think that's not tasteful to do all the time. I think when you get to the butts and like obviously the famous butts and seating in a couple couple years, which we might encounter, that's going too far. And directly poking your opponents all the time is kind of doesn't have a lot of class. But this is such a big instant in the wrestling world. It seems weird not to just use names. I think if you were just like, you know, Brett got done up up north, the the Nordies got him or whatever. However, you would phrase it to not use names or bring the company into it. I think it's a bit awkward. I think it's so big and out there. You just need to directly talk about it. It's hard to say like the impact at the time. Cause I, I was just a casual fan. I, I had no clue what they would have been talking about. Like I didn't yeah, know what the details of the screw job was maybe until like late two thousands. I don't think it's uh, direct enough to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's still a bit like, unless you know what's going on, which obviously we do. I think you'd be like, why are you on about? <laughs> and then they wouldn't have a clue That's what he's fair. on about with the sting bit either. Because it's like happened four or five years ago at that point. It's it's a very strange promo. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense. Like, it's delivered well. And if you know what's going on, I'm like, that's a good promo. But everybody's shucking away in the back, patting themselves on the back because they're so great and cool, which <laughs> kind of annoyed the hell out of me. I was I was very glad to shut it off as soon as Hogan appeared. So <laughs> what, what, what I hate about the promo is two things. So I think defending a fan favorite like Brett. And I think Brett at this stage is still a fan favorite. He He's certainly diminished from his biggest kind of baby face pops he used to get, but he's still a fan favorite. And WCW fans still hate Vince and they hate Shawn Michaels. You're talking about something that the WCW fans love in a very positive way. So I think that's a little conflicting, but the NWO are the cool guys, right? They, they do just like the cool things. See, Sean was a face. <laughs> I hate to break this to you. Yeah, no, <laughs> but he, he, he was a face at the time, and Brett was the heel. So yeah, he he's not meant to be the liked person at that stage. Yes, the 
reality of the situation creeps into it, but there's that. And then I don't know if WCW fans hated Vince because he wasn't from WCW. I think that's I think that's just planting too much. I think people just like wrestling a lot of the time. You, you think it's hindsight? You think now that all the like documentaries about the wars have been done, it's way more inflamed than it actually was at the time. The average fan just probably watched both. From a fan perspective, yeah. Yeah, that could be true. I yeah. can't. I, I don't, I'd say the vast majority of fans just liked having two wrestling shows. And I'm sure they argued about it. Like people do like, what's my favorite band? And what's my favorite show and stuff? Yeah. Do you like Marvel or DC kind of stuff? Yeah. 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 Well, okay. That, that's fair. At least WCW, the way they frame this is Brett is he symbolizes tradition. So that's, mm. he kind of aligns with WCW. So again, like it is kind of weird. This, this promo kind of, it walks that line of like, Oh, the NWO is being heelish, but they're because they're claiming that he's a part of them. But all the WCW guys, are like, no, you can't be with them. You're you're part of tradition. I can get on board with that. Yeah, it's weird how they. It's still weird how they tackle this angle. I think because I felt they're giving too much attention to the screw job. I think it's a bad business decision in my in my opinion. Ultimately, because the week yeah. before we have Hogan versus Sting, that is finally signed. The week after that happens, they talk the whole freaking Nitro. They just talk about that. Like all the, even Tony says like, sorry fans, we're not going to talk about this. The match that you're seeing right now, we're just going to talk about Hogan versus Sting for the next 10 minutes. He literally <laughs> just tells the fans that. Imagine being a talent in the ring. Imagine being a talent. <laughs> I'm watching back the show and hearing that you'd be so, <laughs> so pissed. I, it's, it's part of the times, but whatever. I just had to point it out, but they know they have the money match and it, it's going to outdraw anything the WWF does at this time. It's just, yeah. it feels like they're overconfident and they're just enjoying kicking WWF while, yeah, they while they're down. Like basically. Yeah. 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 I'd agree with that. Yeah. So do you feel like it was worth it? Like, do you think it was like they have this time to do it? Why, why not do it now? I kind of I like your comment. I kind of like the, uh, I kind of like the idea that uh, they could have waited. Maybe, maybe this is too much storyline. Like you're already building up the sting stuff. You've already lined up a bunch of feuds for Starcade, which is after this pay-per-view, Maybe have Brett show up at the end of Starcade. Maybe start talking about him after Starcade. Have him show up like the Nitro after Starcade. Give him that three week break. It's only like a month or two. The, like his heat isn't going to go away. People aren't going to forget about Bret Hart overnight. Maybe you're overloading the card a bit here. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I I'm not actually quite sure. Obviously, I've yeah. heard like a bunch of things of how he comes in, but I, I want to see the whole thing before I comment further because there's so much discussed on the fallout of the screw job and. We plan on recording a special Brett uh, retrospective before going to Starcade 97. So that, that show is going to be huge because I don't want to have to be a five hour podcast. So <laughs> let's uh, let's I definitely want to have a separate conversation about Brett because I mean, he he's the top guy. He's the actual champion coming into WCW. So that that's what makes this tur- such a turning point in the, the Monday Night War. So we'll leave the deep analysis and conspiracy theories for our next cast. Okay, Dave? <laughs> no one no one got screwed. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, God. No one screwed no one? No one screwed no one job. I don't want to have to hear that <laughs> okay, thing <but> again. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we are out of time on the Nitro Recap. We have to go. It's time for World War III, 1997. CW control room, come in. This is Bravo Delta Leader, over. Leader, come in. Have you located anyone? Over. I'm scanning for survivors. Roger that. 
patrol. Located 60 warriors. Lock onto them later. Very locked. Luger is capable of throwing anybody in that ring out. A 60 man fight. Patrol, you're not going to believe what I'm looking at. Come back. The biggest battle royal. There's three rings and 60 men. Bravo Delta, you're ranking up. Uh, Control, I'm going in for a closer look. Unbelievable. Everybody's fighting 60 minutes, 120 hands going at one time. In the middle of the ring now, the fight continues. All hell's breaking loose. Pull out, pull out, it's too dangerous. Too late, Control, too late. As a sign of things to come, the first video package we get of the pay-per-view is a post-apocalyptic scene of someone looking through the landscape of where this pay-per-view used to be, I guess. But they can also see the wrestlers also, I guess. This was great for me because it immediately gave me flashbacks to Command & Conquer. And I thought I was about to get a mission from Kane himself. That's what it felt like. That, that was the redeeming quality for me. It was like, oh, I'm about to play Tiberian Sun or something. It's going to be deadly. <laughs> that was the level of quality that they were going for, I think. Like, we're talking mid-90s video game FMVs. <laughs> I was trying to think of why I liked it, but you, you definitely hit it. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I need is a bald man shooting someone else. It was complete shit, though. Uh, like, I, told, I don't know. I Maybe it was good for the time. I doubt it. It's definitely not. I mean, we've we we covered Canadian Stampede. It's it's you can edit yeah. together a couple of footage, make some kind of storyline out of it. This but, is m- just maybe it was good graphics for the time. You know what I mean? Like it's not a good concept, but maybe the production was actually good for the time. I'll still go with no, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I still prefer I this how... over uh, again the, the monster truck. Here's what's gonna happen yeah. on WCW. <laughs> You were so confident in what you said, Dave. You're like, well, yeah, maybe I'm giving them the benefit. I think they should have made that uh, monster truck their mascot instead of letting Randy Savage, I assume, take it home. That's part of a Slim Jim deal, surely. (laughs) Yeah, probably. It's so bad. We keep talking about like, where's the monster trucks? Bring them back. (laughs) (laughs) When the the monster trucks aren't on stage, you should be asking, where's the monster truck? (laughs) The comedy regime for tonight has no Dusty, unfortunately, so no rubber sharks, and instead Tanae. So, you know, we're just going to have to have a reasonable, well-thought-out commentary instead of Dusty on for a night. Poor us. Of all the pay-per-views for Dusty to miss as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he, he loves World War Three. He would have relished it. He would have really helped with this one. Yeah. Well, one thing I have to note, though, Tanae explains like the importance of World War Three. They keep telling us that the winner was going to face Hogan or Sting at Super Bowl. Yeah, spoilers, that doesn't happen. Fucking WCW. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have it down. Like, I have it written down. I was like, man, that pay-per-view is not till February. That's a long time for WCW. <laughs> yeah, to, to be fair, whoever the winner is, I won't spoil it now, but he does get his title shot at uncensored which is another month away so it's they get it right next year the winner of world war three goes into starcade like that's how it probably should be yeah yeah it's or some effect on starcade or some like mentioning the pay-per-view at all having to mention a pay-per-view past starcade seems like bad promotion people should be thinking about starcade now not past it past it yeah, that's part of the problem with this pay-per-view in general like it, well i mean they only do one more don't they not to yeah, too far ahead. But next year's the last one. Yep. Yeah. Oh no! They, they finally, they finally learned. <laughs> no wonder the <laughs> yeah. company went under. <laughs> what they stopped doing World War Three. <laughs> There's a correlation. 
I bet you there's a correlation in the ratings. We're gonna we're gonna do it. I'm gonna get the tinfoil hat out. <laughs> well, this this first match is ratings like all it's just oh my god printing money. <laughs> yeah, first match of the night gives us our look at a, a sort of rebrand of the Faces of Fear, which mostly amounts to new jackets and music. I don't even think it's new jackets. Uh, <laughs> I think they just wear different types of jackets. Like they have slightly different music because it's not dungeon music yet. Yeah, well, they finally have non-dungeon music. And our opponents are Glacier and uh, Ernest the Cat Miller. A little bit of build-up for this match. Uh, Glacier has fought both the Faces of Fear on different episodes of Nitro and got beaten down after the matches, and Miller has helped them out both times. Friends forever. Karate buddies. Let's go. To, that's what I'm going to call the tag team from now on. The Karate <laughs> buddies. This is, the, this is a dream match for the podcast, right? We're huge yeah, Glacier no. marks. Faces are our, our favorite team. Right? This, is a, this is main event. I think also not to get too ahead of ourselves. I think Miller has improved a little bit since the last time we've seen him on the cast. Uh, yeah, sure. I think That's, the faces make him look awesome. Yeah. Also, yes. <laughs> well, when the faces sell for your stuff, when usually Mang sells for no man, it makes you look impressive, I guess. Yeah, all you're going to get is a hotcha as much as possible. <laughs> he gets to speak English in this match. He gets to ask the ref, ask him once. And then he goes back mm. to his grunts. I miss that. So so character development. He's actually a genius. He's developing his character over months. Speaking of character backwards development, Glacier, no snow. His production budget got slashed. Yeah, it's like maybe they had to cut his budget so they could pay for the intro. So maybe <laughs> like, maybe the stuff that was falling from the sky wasn't good for people's skin. Like carcinogenic. Too, uh, yeah, too environmentally <laughs> friendly, the stuff fall, falling from the sky, knowing WCW. But yeah, it seems like Glacier's push might be, uh, or I guess perceived push, might be on halt a little bit. He's fallen uh, from the original days of, was it like two months of hype he got? Yeah, he had, uh, he had yeah. his like, winning streak and then lost it. And then no, the guys whatever. he lost the winning streak also would lose a bunch. So it just seems <laughs> even worse. Who knew? Wins matter in wrestling. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I, I think I've said this before too. Like It's just they've never given Glacier a promo. I'm not saying Glacier should have a promo, but he should have some kind of storyline or something. Yeah, yeah. He just comes out and wrestles. That's it. Speaking a little bit of backstories, when they're introduced, they give Glacier his phony dojo kind of location. And Ernest the Cat Miller is just a normal city. They're both these karate guys. And it's like this guy from deep in a Mortal Kombat game coming to rip out your heart. And also Mr. Miller does karate. (laughs) <laughs> and he's here too it's very weird the contrast of introductions for it's like mr miller from gold's german <laughs> dallas texas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mr <laughs> bischoff's personal karate teacher yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on guys hurry up the match i got i got a lesson that too he's actually going to teach the face of fear later yeah <laughs> And just to mention real quick, Jimmy Hart is back. There's no explanation. He's just he was he wasn't around for like a month. Now he is. How an islander could not be a wrestler without a, a white manager? Okay, that is just wrestling rules, and they're never to be broken. Yeah, it is kind of weird that Jimmy Hart is there. Early on, we get a rush from the face of fear, giving the karate kids the beat down before the bell. But their quickness and strikes let them dominate the early match, which is surprising. Miller looking a bit better than the last time we've seen him, including uh a nice spot where he runs up Mang in the corner and hits a crossbody to the outside of the Barbarian. I thought that looked sweet. That was cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Press and balance. 
I mean, this guy's still kind of pretty green, and him for to do some a spot like that. I, yeah, I thought, he, well done. He's just an, an athletic dude, and that shows. And the faces are very much selling for all his strikes, even more than glaciers. And the faces don't usually sell that much, so it looks great. I do feel bad for these guys, though. It kind of feels like a dark match because there's so many empty seats you can see at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think we should just mention that right now too. That this crowd is awful. not best. Absolutely awful as a crowd. And I don't blame them. That they don't have much to work with either. Nope. So. No, they do not. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll comment on a different match, but there's once or twice a, a heel goes to get simple heat by jawing to the crowd and they just they say nothing back to the heel. I'm like, hmm, not a wrestling town, I guess. Face of Fear cut off the momentum of the match with the podcast favorite double team move, a back body drop into a power bomb. They have never hit this move correctly. They have always had to have Barbarian basically deadlift a man's full weight what up so that about, he doesn't break his neck. It's happening exactly as they planned it to, all right? <laughs> are you going to tell them that they do it wrong? <laughs> no, no, ne- never, no, never. But I, no. I love that they I can just that. trust Barbarian to do that. Oh, got the move wrong. I'll just brute force it until it's a wrestling move again, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the only, the only instance I can think of is that when they did it to Benoit, like one of the first times we saw it. That one probably looked the best, yeah. but it's, it's progressively hey. gotten worse. <laughs> it's, that's probably because Chris is eager to take it wrong. <laughs> well, it's going to be a good spot. It's going to be a really yeah, good spot. Yeah, give me that, give me that bump. <laughs> <laughs> if you powerbomb me, great. If I land on my head, also great. They can show the replay for weeks. Oh, <laughs> that's a terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> the face is ice like Glacier, which I'm a little bit surprised by. I thought Glacier might be the hot tag, being the actual you know wrestler. Quick tags in and out, and of course, our classic Kilburn in the corner. Miller gets the hot tag after a back body drop. Uh, strikes and big, these big setup lariats, which the faces don't seem ready for. He kind of poses before he does his lariato. They don't expect it, so they're kind of flinching and going to bump at the wrong time, so it looks a little awkward, but he, he throws a good uh, clothesline. There's even a drop kick from Meng. I don't yeah. think I've actually seen him do a drop kick, and it was a good one. Like I didn't think he could get like, that really height. good height. I was very yeah. impressed. It's also a missile drop kick. He like lands straight on his back. It isn't like one of those uh, Bob Holly big flip ones. Missile drop kicks are hard to do, man. Big pop from the crowd. Their first pop of the crowd of the night. When uh, Miller takes out Hart off the apron for no reason. Hart wasn't distracting anyone. Miller just takes him out. <laughs> but this lets Meng uh, get time to recover and locks in the Tongan deck grip. Barbarian takes Glacier out of the ring and we get a tree count off the deck grip again. I think this is the second tree count we've got off the deck grip, which again, I don't like. Just have them submit. It doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't he just get his shoulder up? Yeah, regardless, the move is, is super over. It's supposed to be over. Okay. Yeah, the move is great. Yeah, this match is weird. Glacier yeah. and Ernest are supposed to be the, the face team, but the faces are the more over team. They're just cool to watch. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so- I, I mean, obviously, this is what we want because we love the faces, but it's it's just weird how big of a reaction their faces eventually are starting to get now. And I'm I'm sorry to say though, this is the last time they're going to be on the podcast as a team. What heartbroken? <laughs> how does that, that doesn't make sense. I know. I knew this was coming. <laughs> I know. No, but that's it. Put them in the MWO. That would be great. Better than better than half the members they have right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. Th- I'm not sure the story. Obviously, we'll we'll give them the proper send off when they're done. But I I'm gonna miss this team. I felt like they could give them the push for the tag team titles. Yeah, and like, it's just, it just never came. I think this was like a good timing for them too. They've they've like organically gained the acceptance from the crowd too by not doing that much. Just like a cool finisher from Egg, and that's it. 
Yeah, cool finisher, some decent double team moves. They have that aura about them. They just look like badasses. They act like badasses, and that that gets over. And that's mostly because they are absolute badasses in real life. But well, a part of that is like, yeah, they're real badasses too. But when you portray them, they're like Dungeon of Doom. They're like monsters. Like that, that doesn't work. That's not believable. Just no. like portray them like, oh, cool badasses. All right, yeah, I can, I'm down with that. Just just treat them like the acolytes, and it would have worked. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was, I was literally going to say the acolytes have a very similar kind of. Think to them years down the line, they're the offspring of Haku. We're talking New Japan. Um, yeah, Tamatanga and, Ta- and Tongaloa are essentially this tag team, but in the few like 10, 10, 15 years in the future, more now. And they're just allowed to be normal badasses more, and they're stupidly they're, over. They're a lot smaller, Dave. <laughs> they are they are also even smaller yeah. than these these guys. Yeah. It's just to show the stupid Oh, they're from the they're Islanders, so they need to be super gimmicky monsters. Doesn't work. And the minute that was dropped and dungeon was dropped, we started to see crowd reactions for these guys. Yep, it's a shame. Yeah, this match was okay. It wasn't like the worst opener ever. Obviously, I th- no. think every time they try and do a match like this, it, it kind of falls flat. They like they should stick to their formula. With Eddie and Ray, they kind of deserved a higher spot in the card, so that's probably why this happened. This is this is the wrong match to put on an, as an opener. Yeah, those guys can't jack the crowd like to start with i agree with you i don't know what else you would put at the start given the card that we have sure. but but yeah, yeah but miller isn't ready yet. like the hot tag to miller and like it's, he's not ready yeah. yet he hasn't had enough tv time no his hot tag only lasts for like two seconds as well literally like two moves on each guys and then they cut off the match and that's because i don't think miller miller has more than those two moves yeah not a great start no me- medium but i always enjoy the faces and i think this was f- fine at best DDP is with the internet nerds and Madden for an interview. He confuses them for me and Gene for a second, but recovers very fast by saying your Gene impression is getting better. Paige has a hat on backwards and is sitting backwards in his chair. And that's how you know he's cool in the 90s. (laughs) I shouldn't have even laughed for that. That's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just Just an observation. Just just an observation. Our next match of the night gives us our first taste of the flock in action. TV champion Perry Saturn versus Disco Inferno. Uh, Saturn has beaten Inferno on Nitro for this title. And Inferno is kind of disappointed that he dropped the belt. Is kind of the story behind it so far. What do you guys think of Perry Saturn's entrance here? He comes to the crowd and he has very like the start of Taz's music in WWE. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just waiting for the heartbeat to start. Dun, dun. Yeah, Taz's music is way better than this. This isn't yes. even. I mean, is this like what was the WWF team? RTC, RTC, yeah, <laughs> right sensor, yeah, yeah. Or uh, Scott Steiner's music eventually sounds very like this. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Scott Steiner's music is better than this. Jesus, <laughs> with, with, a, with a relevant shouting at the start. Oh, if you, if you hear me, what Scott? <laughs> <laughs> this was not good, and not a good way to get the crowd back into things. Yeah, let's have somebody come appear from the crowd and roll into the ring. Great. I don't mind how he gets into the ring, but I think the music is awful. Later on, Raven has the same entrance, but he just doesn't have music. And I'm not sure I like that either, but it's way better than this. Well, I think what they're trying to dispute there is, I assume Perry is officially part of the company, whereas Raven is not. So they're trying to make that uh, distinction. God. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that more with Raven. Cause yeah. I, I have, I have bones to pick with, with that, that interview. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Saturn gets into the ring with Raven, who does his classic pose in the corner. He gets the mic and he just says, let the stretching begin, which I, I think is fine. Also, a very, very weird contrast between their entrances, where they're trying to be grungy and different and realistic with Perry Saturns and Ravens, and Disco's Inferno's <laughs> entrance. <laughs> it's like two completely different areas of wrestling, and it is very much like early WCW is clashing with ECW, kind of stylistically. Also, when did Disco become a face? Didn't he, wasn't he just really sexist and fought a woman? I don't think he's really faced, but it's just when you have a good entrance theme and you just have a stupid eh. gimmick like he does, <laughs> it's easy to relate to. <laughs> Why do you think we talk about Alex Wright for so long? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bizarre. The amount of people dancing along to Disco's entrance. Yeah, because it's it's easy to. Disco, I, I, I dislike it so much. I, I, can't, I can't even explain it. It's just so hokey and like i can't blame people for getting something over and if you get something over you've earned it as i said it's so cartoony in an era where they're trying to be done with cartoons they have the nwo they have like sting being this you know popular pop culture reference their good guys are all less supermans and their bad guys are more anti-heroes and then you have like you have this gimmick straight out of yesteryear getting so so over in the middle of this yeah, I find that weird that Bischoff always talks about, oh, well, WCW got so popular because, yeah, we made this change. And, yeah, it was just for a few guys. And then you see yeah, guys like Disco. Inferno. <laughs> and then yeah. we'll see guys like Regal, Regal and Dave Taylor in the match later on, too. Yeah. Like, and then the French we had the French Canadians, too. It's like, come on. The French Canadians. We had, we had Dave, Dave Finley, who came out in proper Irish with a proper Irish Legion of Doom-esque gear like a couple of weeks ago. They are very much picking and choosing what to make realistic and not. That really depends on like how much control all the guys have. Like, Because they probably don't care. Yeah, that's true. That's the problem. Like, They probably don't give a shit about anybody below the mid-card. So they're like, yeah, whatever. If you get over, Just we'll do worry what about you. you always <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get, get over, we might have conversations with you. It also doesn't hurt that like they're at least something different. Because, I mean, if the entire yeah. show was just NWO style stuff, it would get really tedious. I think I, that's what I like about the Flock, though, is they are a little bit more realistic, but it's a different take than what the MWO is doing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's, so there's a lot of things wrong with what the Flock does tonight, and we're definitely going to go over it. But I always really like Draven's Flock as a concept. When it's done well, it's extremely good wrestling TV I'm not sure it's done well tonight in particular, but we'll, we'll go over there. We'll jump into the match because it's not much to talk about. Saturn has early cocky offense, thinking Disco's below him, not taking him seriously, slapping his head as he gets up from moves. Disco recovers after looking weak and sends Saturn to the outside twice with frustration. Disco's offense, and I was saying this to the guys before the podcast started, it's super limited, and it's like someone that's been only training to wrestle for a year or two and has the basic moves a hip toss an atomic drop he goes for axe handles a lot some basic strikes and that's kind of his entire repertoire with his finisher which we get to see for the first time am i being too critical of disco here guys or would you agree it's like very basic offense i think you're being a little too critical of him i mean his strengths are obviously his his selling Disco is mainly just like, he's kind of like Bobby Roode almost. It's all entrance and all this dance. And then <laughs> yeah. whatever comes after that, it's like, whatever. Yeah, he's very, very basic. I never really expect much from him anyway, so it's fine. Uh, his partner does him no favors in this match, though. 
Yeah, Saturn, we were discussing, we think Saturn might currently be hurt on this timeline, but he does seem a bit sluggish. He's not getting like, so I said the hip tosses and why I've noted them is Disco gets two hip tosses and his kind of uh, shine spots off. And Saturn is very slow to stand up from either of them. And that's not selling. He's just moving slow. Uh, Saturn crotches Disco on the top rope and goes for a springboard clothesline, but only half gets it. So it looks more like a, a crossbody. This sends them both to the outside. It's a bit botched, but it's fine. He still makes contact. And then for some reason, Disco nearly immediately gets up from the bump, even though it's supposed to be him taking the move, and just attacks the flock. Out of nowhere, Flock has not been involved. They're sitting in their little corner, and he hits their... I forget what was the name of his finisher. It's the showstopper. Chartbuster. 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 Yeah. Which is a stunner. It's just a stunner without the kick. He hits like three of them with it, and then Saturn blindsides him. Saturn rolls him back into the ring where Disco hits a swinging neck breaker, and then a crossbody from the top. But Saturn rolls through the crossbody and locks in the rings of Saturn. He's actually done this finish a couple times. I always liked the rings of Saturn as a finisher when I was a kid, but I'm not too sure what to think of it now. What do, do you guys like his finish? I do. I It's been following the theme of what WCBW has been trying to do lately. That a lot of people have submission holds, which I think yeah. the current wrestling is really missing. Like they're, they're trying mm. to do too many fancy moves. Just like, just do a simple submission move. Obviously it's like, Oh, uh, wrestlers don't want to tap out to submission move. It makes me seem weak. I think it's just a visual thing. I think for camera work and stuff. Mm. Uh, I was, was going to say a lot of modern wrestling likes being able to have replayable clips and like being in a submission, unless it's something like the Austin blade job doesn't look great on camera when you replay it, which is sad. Cause I do agree. I think it brings a lot more to match. And if even after this, even early two thousands, every big wrestler had a submission finish and their impact finish. Even like weird ones start developing. Triple H all of a sudden start doing the Indian deadlock again because it was like part of how American wrestling was going. I think the move is fine though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this match was okay. I think the big problem with it was there's just no heat. Yeah, none. I'm not sure what to feel about Saturn right now because like Tanae's remarking about him is like, oh, he's an army ranger, so like he's a real dude, and he's hanging out with Raven. And is that commentary good? Like, is Today being too informative, like, because I know at times, like, it's good, but is that bad commentary there? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think usually when it's a normal wrestler, it's really good and you want to get to know their background. Today's giving the fans the best chance to connect with them. Whole point of the flock is they're supposed to be misfits we don't know much about. So then to give him these layers of background, he was in the army, he did so many parachute jumps in his three year stint. He's like an actual hardworking badass. That's fine if you, I think, if you use a face. I think it's even fine if he's an average heel and he's healing it up a little bit. They're supposed to be mysterious. And you're not supposed to know about them. So I think it's kind of weird. I, I already don't like him. He looks like a low-rent Steiner brother when he comes to the ring. He just looks sure. really similar to them, but he's smaller. Why is he going 50-50 with Disco? Yeah, also, like, yeah. Why are they doing that with him? It didn't make him look anyway cool at all. That's probably as big of a problem with telling about his backstory is that you're less than the, letting the random goof who, for better or worse, and I know it, it's 20 years ago, for better or worse, he lost to a woman last last month. And now yeah. you've gone 50-50 with that guy. Sure. In, in, in his defense, the Nitro match was a lot. It was heavier. It was almost a squash match that Saturn won. They didn't want to bring Inferno 2 down, I guess. Yeah. That's my explanation. It's like they're introducing the entire flock in a pay-per-view. And it feels like... It's an overload. Like the commentary don't know the name of all of them. We had to go look up some of the names because the commentary didn't know the name of the whole flock. And 
there's a certain mystique about that, but we haven't even got to see Stevie Richards wrestle, and he wasn't even here tonight. And well, okay, I, I was gonna bring that up later, but I have to bring it up now. He is he quit WCW actually, which is I didn't. <laughs> oh sure, <laughs> he hated working with Raven in uh, shoot in ECW. He hated him and WCW. He thought he could maybe coexist with them, but just couldn't. I mean, Bischoff was really high in Stevie, but Richards he actually considered leaving wrestling at this point because oh wow. He goes to East, he goes back to ECW for a little bit. I think he has a really bad injury too, but he doesn't do anything until his WWF uh, run with RTC until like ninety nine. Jeez, yeah. I, I I honestly did not know that at all. That's uh, that's that's super interesting. Yeah. It, it was weird because I was like, wait, where's Richards? Because he's ev- he's everywhere in this in the whole Fox storyline. Story yeah, up until up now, up until that point, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just super interesting because I guess this happens all the time with other wrestlers, but they had such, I thought they had such good chemistry. I thought it worked. Their characters worked really well off each other. I think we're going to probably miss that going forward because having a difference in the flock and like Stevie is so easy to have sympathy for and have Raven like beat down. So create, it makes Raven look worse. It gives you this inbuilt storyline of eventually Stevie can rally against them, you know? And yeah, that's, that's a huge shame. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't really like this. I think it's a bad start for him. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. Where do, where do you go when you have your first match in the company for Saturn? Oh, I win the TV title, so it's it's yeah. it's you have to go down a little bit. Yeah, the I problem mean, with the flock guys is they they have very little TV time. I mean, the, the only TV time is hey, they're sitting at ringside. Okay, are they doing anything? No, they're just sitting there. <laughs> I do agree with both you guys. Decent gimmick, but not executed that well tonight. Oh, I don't think it's a decent gimmick either. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, let's see how it develops. We'll see how it goes. Okay. On to the next segment of the show. Mean Gene is backstage and is promoting what I assume is his main means of income nowadays. The hotline. You won't believe who's backstage and might be in the match. But he's not allowed to tell you unless you give him a call. Gene talks to the giant about his broken tongue. They show a replay of Hall breaking it against a ring post in the stairs under a match in Nitro. Giant says he can't choke slam, but he can still throw people over the ring, uh, over the top. Kind of stuttering and stammering over his words a little bit here. He then tells us he's more intense than he's ever been. And that reminds me of the scene from Futurama, where the devil says, you can't just have your characters say how they're feeling. That makes me feel mad. I don't think it's up to him to tell us if he's being intense or not. He's either intense or he's not. But Dave, he's blown to the gills. He is blown, to, blown the gills. to the gills. Was, I, yeah. I don't know what that means, but he's blown to the gills. For some reason, I thought that was like some sort of in kayfabe comment of like, I'm out of shape and I won't be able to do anything. Yeah, I thought that's, that's what the phrase is, means. His weight has definitely fluctuated. He's a little... Already, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's always had that trouble, but it's such a weird, weird segment. And I, I compliment him. He had got a bit better in interviews. At least he's not just shouting. But he has this bag of, I call them Hoganisms. And every time he's in trouble, I think he just thinks, what would Hogan say? And that's where the blown to the gills things come from. You can almost see it in his eyes. He's like, crap, let's just throw out a nonsense phrase Hogan taught me. You know, it's uh, it's not great. Next match of the night, uh, we get to see the rematch of two legends, Nagata and Ultimo Dragon. They're just continuing their feud from uh, the last pay-per-view supposedly dragon hasn't been able to wrestle because he has had uh, had bone chips removed from his arm i have no idea if that's kayfabe or real by the way but he does have his arm bandaged up i assume kayfabe if dragon wins he gets five minutes alone in the ring with ono which uh i always found the weirdest stipulation how can you even enforce that 
How's that an enforceable rule you can put on another human being? But it, because it's a contract. It's a of, they all sign contracts before their matches, Dave. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> contracts literally <laughs> let you do anything to anybody at any time. And that's what wrestling has taught me. Sonny Ono signed up for that bad boy. <laughs> It's never for the allotted time, though. It's like, oh, for five minutes. Like It's then for like two seconds then. Yeah, and the guy escapes. He hits him once and the guy escapes or whatever. I'm like, what? Was this not a... Oh, whatever. Breach of contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The follow-up is them. I got my lawyers involved. <laughs> yeah, it's just courtroom for the next couple of, couple of episodes and him getting sued for breaching contract. Probably keeps IRS in a job anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just got IRS in. Well, I don't what happened to IRS. Was isn't he in the company at the moment? I who knows, man. Maybe I don't, I don't know. But he definitely <laughs> wasn't. He wasn't out there later on. Yeah, he left the NWO. And now he's just disappeared. That seemed like a wise career choice for him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nagata targets the bandage arm early on in the match with kicks and going for his finish the uh, armbar a couple times. Dragon tries to uh, attack Ono, and he's very distracted. The commentary make a lot of comments about it. Uh, letting Ono lay in kicks as he knows sells them. Dragon goes for a suplex, but Nagata breaks it open. Uh, we don't get that sweet revenge on Ono quite yet. Dragon with a lot of less uh, rest holds uh, and headlocks early on in the match, I noted. which I Long didn't like for- headlocks. Long. Yeah, real long ones, mm-hmm. which I didn't like for two reasons. One, these guys had a... Better match first time around, more like fast pace, even with rest holds. And two, you're selling a story of your arm is really weak and getting targeted, but you're doling out head locks with that arm. Just not good psychology, I think. This does lead to a massive back suplex from Nagata, which looks sick. Sleeper by Nagata, and surprise, surprise, doesn't finish the match. I assume Roddy Piper just has superhuman arms to be putting people away with this move that everyone else can't. He's got a secret with. technique. It requires the goggles from They Live. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> After wearing down Dragon for a while, uh, Nagata gets a bit of his comeuppance. Huge kicks from Dragons as he fires up and a springboard to the outside. Back in the ring, Nagata meets uh, Dragon on the top rope, but Dragon reverses it into a sunset flip bomb off the top. Always love sunset flip bombs. They get so much impact. Yeah, that one in particular looks amazing. And yeah, he just bounces off the ring. This is the first time of uh, many we'll we'll mention later that the WCW production team just, I, I don't know, <laughs> they just had an off day or something like that. Yeah. One of the cameras has like connection issues. The guys in the truck like, nope, we're going to stay on this camera. It's <laughs> having <laughs> yes. issues. Dude's running around. Yeah, <laughs> like, This isn't the hard camera either. It's just like some random guy on the floor. Go to the hard camera. Whatever. <laughs> just do something. Yeah. You kind of banded it. It might have a good shot when it comes oh, back. Mm, it was so I'm, badly I'm done. So badly Do you think done. they're as bored with it as we are and they're just not watching? Just a guy in the background <laughs> with a donut just not watching the screens. Going, yeah, I got Honestly, a camera too. Yeah. They had drinks with uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan because Bobby <laughs> does not give a fuck about this pay-per-view. <laughs> he does not. <laughs> um, my first favorite part of Bobby's commentary of the night the ridiculous things he would do if he's in a wrestling situation which is always my, always my favorite uh, Bobby trope I would turn his mask around backwards and today's like what? <laughs> yeah. his mask I would just turn it around backwards he couldn't see Like, while well, the mask is kind of attached to his body I don't think it can actually be turned backwards he's like oh, I, I would just pull it over his eyes I'm like okay bro, thanks 
Thank you. Uh, and he says it later on for for, for Scotty Rakes. Okay, I'll, I'll get oh, to it when, yeah. When, yeah, yeah. when we're on that match. I just we'll got get to it. Wonderful combination of like Bobby Heenan doing the Baz Rutten uh, self defense combat videos now. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what it feels like. He just put stuff over his eyes. Bong and bong and bong you know he doesn't give a fuck anymore when Heenan is just completely out of it. He's like, I would do this if I was in this situation. You can hear, you can almost hear the other commentators cringe. He's like, what are you talking about, Bobby? Someone cut him off for the night. <laughs> when, when Dusty isn't around, somebody has to cover up for him. <laughs> yeah, just the- have to up the crazy somehow. After the sunset bomb in the ring, we get a follow-up of a moonsault for a two-count by Dragon. Dragon reverses a suplex attempt into a dragon sleeper. We saw him botch this last time, but actually really smoothly goes into it. But Ono distracts the ref so he doesn't see Nagata submit. Dragon throws a bit of a tantrum, but then Frankensteiner off the top rope. But Ono puts Nagata's foot on the bottom rope to stop a certain tree count. Dragon then goes for back suplex, but Nagata accidentally kicks Ono on the apron. And this ends up in a weird botched, very much botched pinning predicament. I assume it looked like Dragon was supposed to stay on his feet and complete a move, but he lost his footing. So they both just fell, and they got it rolled into an awkward pin, and the referee counted it. Do you like the how the ref counted four as well? Yeah. Yeah, the ref also yeah. counted four. The commentary was already thrown off. Because I assume the ref knew what the finish was supposed to be and was like, oh, is this actually the finish? I just keep counting, I guess. <laughs> This match was awkward. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know what happened here. Like it started out really slow, and maybe it picked up a little bit, but the arm injury storyline just forgotten, and uh, just disappointed. That just they, didn't they work. A way better match last yeah. last month. Yeah, it didn't work. Even psychology points like Dragon running after Ono works if you don't. If your reward isn't just getting to beat him up at the end, and commentary kind of pointed out, they're like, why is he bothering? He's going to get to beat him up at the end if he wins. Their, their first, their first match was way better. Like like a lot of guys, it just seemed like an off night. I, I'm, it's one thing to bring up too that I wonder another crappy thing about World War Three is that the wrestlers are like, well, I have to work another match later tonight, so I'm not going to put all my effort into this. Maybe it's also a giant holding pattern pay per view as well. Nothing matters uh, until Starcade. <laughs> I was about to say none of them, none of this matters. Their booking is probably already made up for Starcade, so it's not like. Some of the undercard, I think, are hungry and put on good matches because they're like, I want to get hired again. And I don't think that matters for most of the undercarders on this card. Yeah, I, I, a lot of the matches on this card, though, it's it's kind of like the end of feuds. Like, this is pre, this is the end of the feud. So, whatever. Okay. Yeah, Ono never gets his comeuppance, which I thought what they'd do is have Nagata win and still Dragon just grabs Ono at the end of the match. But it doesn't. Yeah. They just leave. No payoff yeah. for you. It's just an awkward match all around. It, mainly just because Dragon, he's had so many good matches on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Was, it's out of character. Dra- Dragon's great. Nagata is obviously known now as a legend. You'd expect a bit more from a match from them, but it didn't come to fruition. The next match of the night, though, obviously doesn't disappoint. Steiners against definitely 100%. I super swear, not jobbers. We definitely swear. The Blue Bloods, Regal, and Dave Taylor. They, uh, they're out first, Blue Blood's out first, and they dislike the smoke effect, is their gimmick. It's <laughs> just Regal pulling faces and just batting away the smoke. Because uh, I guess he's English and not cool and doesn't like smoke. 
Regal's fucking brilliant, man. Yeah, I love Regal so much. I, I don't know if you saw on, on Reddit that like somebody was doing like a 30 day gifts of Regal. <laughs> <laughs> you could do a whole year of just the reactions from him. He's he's just yeah. a master of his job. Now, Dave Taylor, I, I didn't see much of his work, though, and he actually had a few good matches on Nitros. He had one with Fit Finlay that was actually very good. Yeah, they, they randomly have these like legends of uh, British wrestling on WCW at the same time. So they have William Regal, Dave Taylor, and is it Chris Adams? Yeah, Chris Adams is in the in the Rumble. And they're just these people that you've probably not seen much of, but are amazing British wrestlers. And I've not, same, I just know his reputation. I've not got to see uh, Dave Taylor wrestle that much. I just know that he's a really good wrestler. And unfortunately, we don't get to see much of him in this match because I, I broke my promise. They are jobbers. They do just kind of get squashed. Yep. And not to mention Steiner's in their home state. So I yep. wonder who's going to win. I thought it was a mediocre ovation for the hometown favorites, too. Yeah, they did not. I don't think a lot of them knew the Steiners were from there. I don't <laughs> think this is a wrestling crowd. Like, the if commentary. they don't wear the jackets, how how would they know? How are they supposed to know? Yeah, exactly. It is kind of, And the Steiners didn't even make a big deal out of it. They didn't give them a big tag team to face. Like, if you watch Nitros, you know about these guys, you know about the Blue Bloods, but. Even if you watch Nitro, so it's not like they're that prevalent on them. It's no, they don't deserve a shot for the, the titles. It's odd. No, they, they beat Harlem Heat. Was that it? The Blue Bloods yes. beat Harlem Heat on an episode of Nitro to get the shot. I, I I think that in a sense they are perfect opponents. In Regal's selling is top notch, and you're right. His reactions. Uh, at one point, I'll, I'll skip a little ahead in the match just to make a point here. But he challenges Rick Steiner to the test of strength. And Regal's bit is usually, you know, he'll get out muscled, he'll do his back arch, but he'll he'll get the upper hand because he's the technical wrestler. But every time he went for a, a shenanigan or trying to reverse it or something, Rick would just wrench his hand and Regal would sell it as if he was getting shot, if he was getting his hand broken. You know, the Steiners are so strong, you can't just out-wrestle them, is how it came across. And all of Regal's reactions were fantastic. He was hamming it up with a strut to try and get reaction from the crowd. Something he's really good at, and the crowd did react not hugely, but a lot more than they did for the other matches, is he knows when something isn't working that he has to do something else to get a reaction from the crowd. You'll get this from interviews from him. He'll pull different faces. He'll go for different kind of angles. He's even known for, obviously it didn't happen here, but he's even known famously for changing who's the face and heel in the middle of a match and house shows and stuff like that. He does his best, and I think... He makes the Steiners look very good, but the crowd are very dead. I do agree with you guys. You didn't point out his best bit from that match. <laughs> the bicep. Oh, the bicep is so good. The slide of hand bicep is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so yeah. nitro bunch. It's so perfectly awesome. done, though. Like, you're just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's such a dad thing to do, and he pulls it off so well. <laughs> it's... Yeah, unfortunately, we don't get to see much of David Taylor because I don't know if we'll get to see him much in future pay-per-views. I assume not, but I'm not really going to go over the match. It's just a, a lot of suplexes, a lot of the technical wrestlers not being able to out-wrestle the power. Scott gets isolated because Rick's a dumbass, hot tag, bulldog. That's all she wrote. Yep, it's glorified squash match, pretty much formulaic Styers match, as we've seen all the time. Commentary, they talk about, oh, the Styers is one of the best tag teams in in history i I don't know like from this run it it really sours my opinion on that before the podcast i probably would have said yes but i I don't know this this run has not been great it's very formulaic run and it's very poorly booked 
like their matches where Harold Mejia have been fine, but it is just the same match over and over. And I want to say it's because, you know, this is when Scott starts to slow down and he becomes big Papa pump after a while or whatever you want to, whatever his first incarnation in WCW was called. You can tell he isn't that athletic freak. He was, he's very stiff. He gets a lot bigger. They do seem overblown from what we've seen. Maybe I'd have to watch some NWA matches, but they're no free birds. That's all I'll say. Okay, Jim Cornette. <laughs> Jeez. How, how dare you? I mean, that's probably who I'd compare you to. <laughs> Mean Gene is on the stage with J.J. Dillon, and Dillon tells us that Raven's match is up next, but that could be his last match because he refuses to sign a contract. He lists the ways in which he's accommodating Raven, and he's giving Raven 24 hours to sign. This is very weird because they have Raven's face on the Titatron behind Dylan, and Raven just has to keep a very straight face through the whole thing and not look uninterested, which I, I can't imagine is too easy. So this this whole angle has just been so weird because like he's wrestled before, but it's like, oh, but it's not technically Official. a WCW match. But like obviously he's in the company. <laughs> They're buying him tickets. They're trying to woo this mid Carter. That's what that's what gets me, right? Because like I, I'm I'm a Raven fan. I am a Raven fan. I'm a fan of the gimmick. But they're acting like he's Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? And trying to we're throwing matches and money at him and we're letting him do what he wants. And I'd be like, why? There's a lot of guys in ECW that would take this contract if you offered this, it to him, dude. It just reeks of like so. Uh, right. So we did the NWO angle, and that was like the outsiders. So they were in technically with the company. That made loads of money, guys. So what else can we do? Why are we having a Nitro segment on a pay-per-view to not only do this, but hype a Nitro? Like, that's functionally what this guy, what this promo does, is hype a Nitro on a pay-per-view. If the people who bought your pay-per-view are already watching Nitros, I don't get it. Just have good matches and they'll come watch more Nitros. It's so weird. It doesn't help. Dylan's segments are, they're awful as well. Yeah, he's not not good. Which is weird because Dylan was good, right? Dylan is a no. very good manager. No. You don't, I don't think, think he, he ever was. He was, always with, he was always with people who could do promos. It's not. <laughs> he wasn't the one carrying it. So you think he was just good at introducing people, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think he was a fine promo, but like, I wouldn't say he was amazing or anything. Oh, that could be true. That brings us nicely on to our fifth match of the night and the debut, the wrestling debut anyway, of the leader of the flock, Raven. Raven has been trying to get Riggs into the flock and has injured his eye doing so with a dropped hold onto a chair. Not sure how that injures your eye unless the corner of it goes into your eye. I don't know why he's targeting Riggs in general. Uh, he just he finds him. He, he's, he's a lost. He's a lost <laughs> yeah. soul, and he's and he's trying to save people. He's this tortured soul, and he 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 sees that in Riggs. He's lost, which is. I think let's let's talk about it right now because the commentary they pretty much bury Riggs. It's like today, this is what he says: is it's almost as if he lacked a purpose in WCW since Bagwell left him. Yeah, <laughs> and Tony's like, yeah, he certainly has floundered in singles competitions. Mm. Way to build up Riggs. <laughs> He's on like two matches. <laughs> they beat against both Bagwell. It's so me. Also, this stinks of you know when a Hollywood movie comes out and the misfit kid is this super handsome guy in the corner. <laughs> you know, or the or the the girl that's like the the outsider, and she takes off her glasses, and she's actually really pretty. 
so your outsider, the misfit you chose, is the man chiseled, actually chiseled out of fucking stone with a perfect baby face look. So like, yep, he's the outsider. He's definitely not liked in, the, in social circles. Sure, sure. Yeah. But the thought behind the story is Raven, he was tortured as a kid, and now he's he can get revenge on them is, is yeah. the, the story. Yeah, no, that, 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 is, that is fair. And I, it is an interesting person to give him it. And Riggs needs something to do. And maybe this will, I don't know what this leads to, but maybe it, that's Riggs reinvent himself a bit. I mean, I hope he becomes a pirate is all I care about, to be honest. <laughs> well, I want to be a pirate. <laughs> so so Riggs, Riggs out with an eye patch because of the eye injury. I should point that out, I guess. Interesting opponent. From what I read review-wise, I didn't see the Nitro. Riggs and Saturn actually have quite a decent match on a Nitro. Yeah, and that's why I'm not too down on this. As I've kind of said before about Saturn, is like Raven, he's had, technically he's had one or two matches in WCW. So it's like he hasn't had that much time to develop, really. Oh, no, he's that guy that sits at ringside. In the crowd. <laughs> he has random vignettes on Nitro all the time as well. So th- there is a little bit, but still, like he's he's not over with the crowd yet. Yeah. It's also giving him a weird first match because I know you can't just give him great wrestlers or push him too hard straight at the door, but you want you want the big boss of this of this gang to be taking out real threats. Like Scotty Reed isn't a real threat; they're beating him down, and he's losing matches to them already. Why does Raven need to be involved? Why couldn't Scotty Riggs just face Saturn and fuck Disco Inferno? He just need to be on the paper. <laughs> you know? I mean, Raven's the, the leader, so he's the one that's kind of recruiting people. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing this is like his pet project almost. like. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he has a bone to pick with Riggs because he is refused to join up with the flock. Before the match even kicks off, Kidman is on the mic. Commentary is like, who is talking? They just keep burying <laughs> the flock members like, the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, to, to be fair, to be fair, that like, of course, the production's like, we're trying to get a shot of Kidman, get a shot of Kidman, get a shot of Kidman. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who's talking? <laughs> who's talking? <laughs> Which one is it? They all look the same. Do the crowd members steal the mic? Who's that kid? <laughs> Do we employ him? <laughs> and again, we know who Kidman is now, but at the time, like, you don't know who Kidman is. Yeah, that's completely fair. He says that everyone here knows the deal. It's a street fight, it's a no DQ fight, or it's no fight. Riggs responds by hitting a crossbody to the outside on the whole flock, taking them all out. Riggs is all over Raven at the start. Hot offense. Raven only putting a stop to it when he chokes Riggs with his flannel shirt. Important that it's flannel. That's how you know they're grunge. Some dull back and forth by both men, uh, kind of uninspired until Saturn slides in a chair and Raven nails Riggs in the back with it, who sells it extremely over the top. Raven goes for a drop toe hold onto a chair. How Riggs lost his eye in the first place. And that's that's kayfabe. Scotty Riggs only has one eye. But Riggs reversed it into a drop toe hold on, of his own onto the chair. And Raven sold that like he got shot point blank in the face. I get it. And I think chair shots should probably be a bit more respected in wrestling again. But it's awkward when someone sells it so much. And then later in the card, someone gets hit with a chair and they act like nothing. You know what I mean? I think there needs to be a bit, a bit of consistency of how strong a chair is in wrestling. For sure. It's actually, we haven't really seen that many chair shots on the cast, which no. I'm kind of surprised with. I thought there was more in this era. I thought that was most of w, uh, NWO's attacks, like with bats and chairs, but apparently not. Just with leg drops. But the Van Daminator, though. Van Daminator, yeah. Riggs throws a chair at Raven. Raven catches it, who uh, eats the chair with a drop kick to the face. 
And then the Riggs Bulldogs are even onto the chair too. Both of these only get two counts though, Raven kicking up both times. Raven slips out the back of a suplex, but falls awkwardly, but hits a Raven DDT, uh, a Raven effect DDT, I think is what he called them. Raven grabs the mic and asks Riggs, screaming, why didn't he join? That he feels his pain, why didn't he join? He tells Riggs this again and again and spikes him with two more DDTs before the ref counts 10, which is weird. That was not said as one of the rules of this match. It was just no DQ. The ref calls for the medics, but the Flox carries him away uh, instead. Hammer doing all the heavy lifting. So a bit, bit of a nutty match. Developed storyline a little bit, I guess. Gave Raven a bit more character. The one thing is, I, I actually don't like this development in Raven's character. I like that he's like... Uh, what what's it called in Mexican wrestling now? Tranquilo. I like that he doesn't react. That the only time he's ever angry is when one of his minions does something wrong. He like, hits them. I don't like that he's like screaming in the middle of the ring. I think it breaks his mystique a little bit. This is terrible. I, I hated this. Really? Why, why do you hate it so much, guys? Why is he going fifty fifty? If he's a big deal, that, why that is it is no right. DQ match? Why aren't the guys interfering? Why aren't they doing all this stuff? Why is he such a bad wrestler? <laughs> he's just not very good. I hated the end with him talking. It just looks really cringy and yeah. Ugh, I will agree ugh. with that bit. I, I I don't think I don't I don't think he's an amazing wrestler. I think he's fine. The D, no DQ thing. I get. I guess that's part of the storyline because that's all his matches. None of them are sanctioned, so he gets to pick the rules and he's messing with their heads a little bit. Yeah, it's just I just don't see the point in it. And it like all of this is made worse because the crowd is just doesn't care at anything. It seems they maybe come alive towards the end of the show, but so nothing gets a reaction, like nothing they're doing. So it looks even worse when he's doing the promo bit at the end and he's doing all the shit and everyone's like, yeah, okay. Can this match end please? <laughs> you're sure. Right. It's just, I, I, I don't, I don't blame the crowd. Cause I think, you know, WCW is supposed to be the good guys. And that's, that's a huge problem with this over, overarching mm. angle. We've, we've kind of talked about, you know, with, with the dungeon of doom too, is, you know, if you don't have cheap heat, gimmicks it's hard to cheer or boo you they're not i yeah. think the crowd's just confused what to do with them yeah, yeah yeah. even with a good crowd i don't think they they make much reaction for this match i, I wasn't expecting much from it yeah. I, I wasn't gonna like disagree with you i don't think it was a great match or anything it's just just very meh probably better than most Riggs's other matches though so i don't know and i will note the his finisher is the even flow ddt dave get it right oh yeah. is it even <laughs> that is mm, it's not a great name what are you talking about? Amazing grunge. Name. Shut up. He's grunge. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, about to say, grunge. it's a bit on the nose. Yeah. I'm grungy, so I need to name my finisher after a famous grunge song. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's better than half the, the shit he spouts anyway, so. You should have just called it the Nirvana DDT. Let's get it over with. Let's just really <laughs> hit it out of the Pearl park. Jam Pearl DDT? Jam, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, know, I know where the song comes from, but I'm just saying you think of grunge I don't know. I don't know. Do we want to bring <laughs> up what you were confused about earlier? <laughs> I, would, I would definitely bring that up. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not impressed with this at all. I think he's too intelligent for his own good as a person. And mm. he's trying to do way too much stuff that just goes over heads of people. And it just doesn't work. I can agree with that. I, th- I think WCW might just not be the best fit for him. I think there's still time for this this whole bit to build because I, I know he has good matches, at least one good match. <laughs> <laughs> also, Stevie Richards was the best bit. We figured it out already. Without Stevie, it doesn't work. Absolutely. Going 50-50, though, is not going to help, though. Oh, not no, no, with no, the way yeah, that booking is that. atrocious. 
Yeah. Again, it's it, Nitro and pay per view is completely different. I, they yeah. they haven't figured out how to book a pay per view because on Nitro Raven looks really strong and obviously he he hurts Briggs so bad he has to wear an eye patch and then yeah it seems like pay per view well we need to waste time so it needs to be fifty fifty. Which is which is funny because one of their like I guess he's not successful yet, but they're gonna have so much success with Goldberg not going fifty fifty. Going a hundred or ninety-five-five, you know what I mean. So it's it's weird that they know that this is a booking mechanism they can use, and they just decide not to for random mid-carders. So we'll give a quick rundown of the people who we think are in the flock before moving on to the next match because we thought it was comical that they knew none of the names. So they knew Billy Kidman once they saw him, but they didn't know his voice. So they had to ask who's that talking. They know Hammer because Hammer is absolutely massive. He's the size of the rest of the flock sell a tape together. If you wanna if you wanna have one flock in a movie, you're, you're just gonna tape a bunch of You're really not selling this group at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's what commentary is doing. It's just I, I know. <laughs> when you don't know their names, it's like how are you building up talent? Like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. And, you know, imagine when like the giant comes in the WWF. That's I, who is this guy? Yeah. I, that's sure. tall dude. Tall guy. Tall tall dude McTollison. Tanay recognizes Sick Boy. So they get Sick Boy once, but the rest of the commentators don't know him, so say that guy. I think Lodi is there. We, we recognize Lodi. It, it is important to note that none of the other guys besides Raven and Saturn have had matches since the flock has been introduced. So that's, yeah, that's I, a big problem with, with identifying these guys. Yeah, I think it's a bit weird. As I've harped on a lot about it, but I liked when it was him and Richards, and you can introduce members one at a time. So like, Bring in Saturn. Saturn becomes their enforcer. He has one of the titles. That's cool. That's a good role for Saturn. But having all these other people around that aren't fleshed out and they're supposed to all be misfits. Like, I think this. I think we'd be thinking different if it was just like Saturn, Kidman, Raven, and they were still dominating. That I think that would be cool and they're looking hmm. to recruit more. What other faction was like that? They had three guys starting out. Yeah. <laughs> they sanded in better. the arena. And <laughs> More is better, okay? WCW, you can't learn from your mistakes. <laughs> we all know that people love, uh, love uh, stables with nine to ten members minimum. Minimum at any time. Or nobody explains who they are. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or a purpose, or Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> When we introduce one of them, even if you don't know who they are, it's great. Even if they're not there next week, that was a big deal, okay? Next match tonight, we have Mongo out and Goldberg. We're gonna get to see our we're gonna get to see the debut of Goldberg on pay-per-view, except we're not. Mongo gets on the mic, he tells us what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and he tells the cameras to go backstage and show us Bill. Goldberg is laid out backstage. And comedy points out that Mongo has a Super Bowl ring back. All Goldberg is missing is the white chalk around his body, like with the way <laughs> yeah, he's set up. He, he is so still. <laughs> I thought the same. I'm like, someone check that Bill's alive, guys. But he's he's in the same. He's in the position and everything. Yeah. Like he has one arm up, one one hand down. Like, it's <laughs> basic acting school, right? <laughs> it's just like how does how does an unconscious person look? Not a drop of blood near him either. Like despite the fact that he's apparently been hit with a pipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mongo comes out with a pipe in the company. You're like, what's that for? It's not a hardcore match. So it's insinuating. He's just laid him out. Also, people don't tend to go unconscious for that long. Like, we've seen boxing fights and stuff 
people don't go unconscious for that long. That's dangerous. <laughs> you can't just no, leave a fine. man unconscious on his stomach. <laughs> that's how people die. Michael almost murdered Bill Goldberg. <laughs> it's, it's the 90s. They, they don't know about concussions or anything. Yeah, a, they don't know about CTE yet. <laughs> He's just taking a nap. <laughs> yeah. He took a good five minutes to walk to the ring or whatever with his smile on his face and chatting. I'm like, also, put him in the recovery position. Don't be a dick. You can choke. <laughs> They gotta get the sweet camera angle first. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, they could no paramedics. Also, there was just a man lying backstage on his stomach where people are like, oh, he's too big to, to go help. What if he wakes up and he's mad at me? I'm just gonna leave him there. <laughs> it's just such a weird Oh Bill, I, he's I, such a character. Just taking a nap on the, yeah. on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> just doing his stretches. Pre-match stretches. Um, I, I will. I, I will note the the reason for this is he has a I can't remember it was like ankle or hamstring or something like that. Oh, That's why okay. I didn't mention him in the Nitro recap. He didn't have any matches this month, unfortunately. Oh. That Come makes sense. Please, I also kind of like the angle. Like as much as I like him running through people, if people are going to get revenge on Goldberg, have it happen outside the ring. That also makes sense. I think. Yep. So yeah, the happy accident. It works fine. Yeah, works absolutely fine. Uh, Mongo opens up a challenge to anyone backstage, and Deborah drags out Alex Wright, which I like. This makes this makes Mongo look strong. Alex, Poor like Alex. I don't want to fight him. Yeah, <laughs> I would call it extremely reluctant to come out. Doesn't dance either. Boo. He eventually he does. when he gets eventually. in the eventually. when he gets into the ring eventually. Yeah. But also, I do agree with you, Connor. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> this match is a bit longer than a squash, but still mostly a squash. They're not exactly burying Alex. They let him get some offense in, but it ends with a Mongo <laughs> spike for a clean tree. And you, you got you got to, if Mongo's going to continue feuding with Goldberg, and you have any confidence in Goldberg long term. I think you got to keep him strong by squashing people here until he can fight Goldberg again. Yeah, there goes Alex anyway. It was nice knowing yeah. him. They tried. It was nice knowing you. It, it's it's the problem <laughs> with the dancing the idiot gimmick. When when the idiot does not dance, there's nothing. Yeah. They yeah. tried. <laughs> it definitely didn't work. And now he's just gone. I God knows I'm sure he'll show up randomly again, but I, that's pretty much it, right? Hang on, he shows up in a couple minutes in the well, world yeah, of War Tree. Yeah, I mean, in the future. I mean, sure, fucking Prince Ayakia is in that match, and we haven't seen him in months. <laughs> uh, Alex Wright, his last match, whoa, Halloween Havoc '98. So we'll okay. see him again. Okay, okay. I thought, yeah, I thought this was about when I'm he not stopped. I'm saying that's but... the, the last. The next time we'll see him, but that's his last match. Okay. Perry Saturn is with the internet nerds after this short squash match. Saturn tells uh, them he would do anything to keep his title, and he asks what people are willing to do to take it from him. He then tells the nerds they've wasted enough of his time, and he leaves. This is like the first person, I think, to just treat this as a promo segment and cut a promo instead of answering questions. He just cuts a promo when they ask him a question instead of answering it and leaves. Next match, the cruiserweight champion Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio in a just a complete replay of the last match we've seen, the last pay per view. Sorry, rematch. Yeah, except no, no mask, no mask is on the line this time. Oh, good point. No mask on the line this time, just the title. Eddie wins the belt back clean in the build up, and Dean has also been involved again, like he was. So maybe a triple threat is down the line, or just maybe it's just good consistency. Dean hates them. And that's just part of his character. It would also just be a sweet match, too. I really want to see that. Would, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing that match either. I, I, um, I will. I have to give props to these, like all three of these guys. They've had fantastic Nitro matches. 
in the past month, like all three of them. The the Ray Dean match, I would definitely recommend checking that out. It was it was the night after the match with Eddie. You know, you, you think like, oh, they had a legendary match. Ray was gonna fo- like phone it in. Nope, amazing match with Dean. So like these guys, they don't they they never disappoint. It's it's just they've been on fire all month. Awesome. Now that's great to know, and that's great to see these guys hitting their strides. We've had comments about some downside to Dean and Eddie. Ray has always been amazing. Yeah. Friends. Well, as you see, they're not always on fire. <laughs> no, this is certainly not as good as last time. A lot of botching, but I've noticed some of their famous matches looking back at the WWE stuff. For some reason, these guys always try hard, but maybe because they're trying so hard and they're trying to innovate so much, they end up botching more often, even though their matches end up being enjoyable anyway. Uh, Ray came out with a spare mask as usual, looking for a kid around the audience to give it to, but there was none. So he gave it to an adult slash teenager that was asking for it instead. Did not fit the guy's head at all. Just barely fit over the tip of the guy's head. So I thought that was really funny and awkward. Eddie healing it up like he did in the first match, shouting at the audience to try and get them into it. And I think Eddie has been the only heel to get a great reaction from the audience. Regal got a little bit. Not even close. Yeah. Eddie, the crowd finally wake up. Oh, right. There's a crowd watching these matches. Oh, wait. What a surprise. You get the two good wrestlers in the ring and they watch it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder how to sell interview, uh, sell pay-per-views. Weird storylines, more NWO members, maybe some good wrestling. Who, who knows? Who knows what actually compels crowds to watch wrestling? He's complaining about everything Ray does. It doesn't last as long as last time. He gets like the referee into an armbar to show how Ray is cheating for a second, which I thought was great, <laughs> and the referee didn't really know what to do about it. Loud Eddie sucks chants and Eddie's covering his ears and hamming up uh, as Ray gets some good spots in on the distracted Eddie. Huge high angle German suplex look really nasty. Ray lands right on the back of his head. It's it's, an- it's another moment of Ray. Are you dead right now? Yeah. <laughs> it's Ray dead. Eddie looks back for a second. Oh, he's still breathing. It's fine. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We can keep going. Okay, we can show the replay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is he dead? No, he moved. Show the replay. <laughs> They try some really cool spots that are hard for me to describe here, but they end up bo- why they're hard to describe is because they end up botching them hard, like two or three sequences in a move that ends up with these like going for a sunset bomb on the outside, but Ray's foot gets caught, so the timing is like really bad, and this whole middle sequence of the match is plagued by botches. Every one of them they recover fast and they find another move to do in that spot. They are very professional about it but it, it broke up the consistency and quality of the match for me. How about you guys? Oh, definitely. The first one, it was kind of forgivable. Not that it was like a bad botch, but since it was like earlier on in the match, I was yeah. like, okay, but it, it does kind of hurt the mystique of the rape character because he is this kind of superhero character. And now it's like, well, you're kind of human now. The moves he does also need so much help from the person he's wrestling that when he botches, it's very obvious that it's choreographed, right? So when you botch a powerbomb, or you lifted someone and they fell, at least you can kayfabe go, he was heavy, I slipped, he fell. When a Ray move gets botched, it's like, why did Eddie have to hold his foot for that to work anyway? You know, the, the kind of weirdness of the luchador kind of style. Why did Boatman have to try and recover that? Opposed to, yeah. oh, he, he just slipped. You know? That's exactly what I have in my notes. Like, it's it's a problem with lucha, I think, in, in general. I think it's yeah. a very high-variant style. Like, when it's done right, like last month, it's some of the best shit ever. Yeah. If you just, like, mess it up a little bit. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's really obvious. 
it's far more of a cooperative based style yeah than any of the other wrestling i think i, I so. think it also leads to but it, not, obviously not the case here but it also leads to if you have a good so if you have a good technical wrestler american style wrestler against a bad wrestler i think they can carry them to a good match i don't think that's always the case with luchador style matches because the other guy just needs to know what he's doing to an extent like I don't think you're going to get Ray having great matches with one of the public enemy, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. But that's not neither here nor there. the The match you're covers with Ray reversing a sunset bomb to the outside with a Rana and a senton. Back in the ring, Eddie reverses another Rana attempt into a power bomb and slows down the spa- uh, the pace of the match with a gory special into a, a cool pin attempt. I love the sequence into a pin attempt off the gory special. Raiden uses his head to kick out. He kind of does a headstand so he's not being pinned anymore. And then just sits up into the gory special and reverses it into another sunset flip for a two count. Yeah, the crowd gasped. It it was very impressive, yeah. Yeah. Another bad botch by both guys after uh, a Rana attempt. And this one is at least the first couple they could recover. Like, Ray just jumped up and hit a move. They both just kind of fell over after a Rana. And that's, mm, it's not easy to recover from. Yeah, the last one, it was the worst. Just, it was right near the finish. Yeah. Because the crowd was like finally back into it. Then it, it took him right back out of it. Yeah. 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 And I think Eddie just throws some punches and gets into a move after it. But even as fast as Tinkers as these guys are in the ring, you can't, it, it just looks bad. And you could tell he was pissed. Yeah, Eddie <laughs> hates botches. It is so funny. Ray just gets on with his job. Eddie hates botches. Where's Vicky? Vicky that was in my head as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it's Vicky. Sorry. Uh, Ray almost wins with a springboard Rana, but Eddie gets his hand to the ropes at the last second. Ray celebrates not, reasoning, uh, not realizing he didn't win before getting back into the match. Eddie drops Ray on the top rope neck first and goes up and hits a frog splash for the clean tree. Bit of an anticlimactic end. You know, we've built up Ray's this. It takes so much to finish him. And it was just a quick reversal, guillotine on the top rope, frog, frog splash for the win. Thoughts on the match overall? I enjoyed it. It was like a breath of fresh air after the last hour and a half of everything else I've had to watch. Yeah. It's obviously nowhere near as good as the previous one, but it was fine. Uh, it was enjoyable wrestling this match did make me realize how much i love ray's finisher even though it doesn't really have a name the rana like it's just the hurricane run into a pin yeah it, the, the crowd just eats it up every time it, he he like teases it or does it the crowd thinks the match is going to be over at any any second and i think that's a really powerful thing to have in your arsenal especially in current day wrestling and even in this era like the crowd's just like all right i'm gonna wait until lex does the rack okay Match isn't going to end until somebody interferes. You know, it's it's very predictable. But with Ray, his matches are unpredictable. And I think that's so entertaining. And I, I like this finish much better than the 6.9, too. And uh, Dave, I know you, you know, put <laughs> yeah. fun of it because uh, why are the wrestlers resting on the second rope? So yeah. <laughs> I, th- I like the 6.9. It's just no one ever rests on the second rope in any other match. Just do do your homework. Get out of there, you know. Stop. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just think the current the current finisher it just it's so effective. It, it just feels dangerous. So I think 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 that's why his character is just so successful at this time. I didn't think it was going to be this was going to be a part of it. I think unfortunately, it's also the source of all his knee problems. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah, possibly, yeah. I, because he definitely doesn't do it anymore. So 
I mean, you've got to assume that he, he must be landing on his knees doing that move. Well, he almost misses it in this match as well, but Eddie, Eddie rotates properly. So Ray only kind of gets him with the bottom part of his legs. He's usually sitting higher up on the powerbomb when it's happening or the powerbomb position. But Eddie jumps enough into the move that they save it, if you if you look at the replay. But yeah, I imagine he just whacks his knees on the way down because of it, because he's not high enough up on the move. I like it because it it's very Rey Mysterio, and it doesn't look like it hurts that much, but it's like sneaky. It's this cool move that like, and everyone kind of kicks out at 3.5 when when it happens as right. well. It's just, I, got, I got away with one. It's like, I'm too fast for you. It's one of those finishers that feels like it matches perfectly with the wrestler. It's like the stunner. I couldn't imagine Austin doing another finish. And I, it's hard to imagine Ray doing another finish at this point of his career. Even the ones he currently uses, I'm like, ah, that's not Ray. But yeah, overall, this match, like obviously without the botches, it would have been another great match, I think. Because you can see that they had this match laid out like pretty well. It's just the execution just wasn't there. Also, the moves they were trying to do would have looked fantastic if they landed. It wasn't like simple botches and like broke it up. Right, the moves right. they attempted and they botched looked incredible until they got botched. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the story the story was there. Obviously, Eddie had tons of heat. He was even like slapping his ass, mocking the crowd. Like it's they had the crowd in the palm of their hands. Yeah. They they just needed to execute the moves, which is again, it's like it's high variance. You're, you're going to mess up sometimes, so it's unfortunate. But regardless, I, I still enjoyed the match. And Ray and Eddie, they're, they're st- they still look awesome anyways. And they continue to be the better parts of the show every single week. Yeah, it speaks so highly of them that we enjoyed it, even though it was botched central. After this match of vignette plays of everyone's favorite Brandon Lee impersonator, Sting, and he has never looked more like the crow in his life than in this video in this like ruined kind of area it's raining and it's these black shots of the background and it says he's watched an empire or, or ruin of an empire and now he's gonna ruin a man like okay settle, <laughs> settle down there Sting. <laughs> i can just watch the crow like i can just rent it i don't need this <laughs> to be this close to the actual the actual movie does that movie still hold up? I remember not liking it that much. I, I not, no, I, it doesn't. No, <laughs> the soundtrack is fucking killer. Uh, but soundtrack is amazing. But that's yeah, that's that's very different to the actual plot. <laughs> <laughs> our last singles match of the night, our last conventional match of the night, Hennig, the current U.S. champion against Ric Flair, no DQ match, and there's not much to add to this feud. It is exactly the same as last time. Flair almost got retired, kayfabe retired because of Hennig. And his turn, it was still Hennig turning down the NWO and turning down the spot that Aaron Anderson tried to give him. A little bit less intense this time, though. It feels less intense. It feels like Flair was less combative. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe you don't want to just completely redo the match you did last time. But I felt a bit less invested in it. What what do you guys feel coming into this match? No, I, I agree, Dave. I don't know why Flair does this. He's He's done this to us several times now. He sounds like, oh, I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to act real serious now. And then two weeks later, woo, me, <laughs> we are live and we're going to party. You know, it's yeah. it's the same thing. So it's just like, all right, we're back to our formula. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, this match was two older. Well, Flair is a decent amount older, but two older guys, maybe not at their technical best anymore, having an intense rivalry and it's kind of been taken out of this match a little bit. They still have the same kind of brawling, not caring match, caring about wrestling match, which suits the feud. 
commentary notes this kind of buries the title but commentary notes that flair wouldn't care about the title he just cares about beating hennig and getting his hand on hennig they bury the entire match. They start talking about the main event. <laughs> yeah, supposed, this is supposed to be basically your secondary feud, right? Like Hogan Sting is your big feud, but your next biggest wrestlers, their feud is maybe like maybe Giant and the end and a couple members of the NWO, but definitely this Flair is probably one of your biggest draws still. And they're just not talking about the feud he's in at all. And it's against the NWO. It's not even like the or excuse before is like it's a horseman versus the dungeon. Who cares about non NWO? This is against the, one of the newest NWO members. And probably, one not- the better, probably one of the better members too. I, I would I would argue. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah. It was kind of uh, weird. I was like, oh yeah, I'm used to hearing the NWO theme just like in the beginning Nitro, and then you hear it like three or four more times. And this pay per view was like, oh yeah, NWO music. Okay, first time. Yeah, first time. First time. Yeah. <laughs> It was cool to note that uh, when Henning comes out with a chair, though, he also has a six six pack shirt on. All of them were wearing the the six shirts. They're giving a little, hey, six, get well soon. He's Recover had a surgery, surgery, you were saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll say it now, but uh, not only Henning, but like all of them, nearly all of them have this shirt on at the start, right? I think it's nearly all the members uh, going into the last match have this shirt on. So it's, it's nice to see. Nice to see they actually. I think, yeah, I think like. Vincent doesn't because Vincent's a mook. <laughs> he always wears that hoodie. I don't know why. Because <laughs> he has to yeah. pay for his own ring gear. They don't give it to him like the other members, so he's not going to pay for a new shirt. Better believe he's not going to pay for a new shirt. <laughs> I can definitely believe them going, no, you, you have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bish is just throwing around caviar and free shirts, and he gets to Vincent. He's like, $20. <laughs> well, the Olive Garden was only giving away sweatshirts, so I couldn't get a t-shirt. <laughs> Poor, poor Vincent. So this match starts off a little slower than their first ones. Uh, Flair being a bit more cautious and following Hennig around the rings as Hennig slowly takes off his t-shirt to put on his proper gear. Flair catches him though and they brawl through the crowd in a, a kind of lackluster crowd brawl. The crowd, there was this one guy trying to chase after them to get a better look and he was like barging his way through people I thought was really funny. There's, there's one thing we have to note that we actually haven't brought up that is very different from last year. Is like well, of course we have the three rings because obviously it's World War Three. So n- none of the matches on the card really take advantage of the three rings, really. No, nope, but they do not. What, what, <laughs> one, one stark difference is uh, we had the commentary kind of at ringside, so we had like Dusty in the background, like, "Hey, I'm in the background." But we have none of that this year. At least the commentary is like they're off to the near the ramp, I guess. So I guess that is a step up. They've cleared the space. It does look a bit neater, and they've learned some lessons from last year. Small lessons. <laughs> Small lessons. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know if that really counts as learning anything. To be <laughs> yeah, just coincidence, possibly. <laughs> Hennig uses no DQ early and often choking Flair a couple times with the camera cable. Flair hangs Hennig on the guard around the outside and comes off the top rope with an axe handle. I thought he was going to get stopped. Hennig was going to stop him. He actually comes off the top. This is insane. This is such a rare sight. Flair actually going off the top rope. And it works yeah. <laughs> to the outside, no less, too. Holy yeah, crap. to the outside as well. It kind of works because he then starts selling that he hurt himself. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that but he doesn't get a progress. He doesn't though. stop. He doesn't milk it. He's not on the top. But he doesn't take it in for a second and like show he's going to do a big move. Just steps to the top and jumps. He's like no no break in between the actions. Just up up and back down. But yeah, the, he starts selling the leg and it becomes a big part of the match. Uh, he hurt himself almost more than Hennig was hurt. Back in the ring, there's a two count for Hennig. Uh, uh, for Hennig. Hennig randomly just pushes the ref in the face after the count is only a two. Yeah, that was really weird. It, he like poked him in the eye or something. 
Yeah. I think this is legit. I don't think the ref is selling a bump, so the ref sells that his eye has been poked. And then afterwards, nothing is made of it, except the ref kind of walks up to Hennig and goes, watch my face or whatever. So I think kind of Hennig was just healing it up and accidentally hit the ref in the eye. This would be my guess of what actually happened, because they never come back to it, and they never have, like, I thought they were going to do the whole thing where Hennig messes with the referee and eventually yeah, the referee up. pushes him. Yeah. Yeah. Or or beats him up and they have to send out another ref or something just to buy time into the match. But no, it's just this one weird thing. Hennig works the leg for most of the rest of the match and they sell it quite well. He even uh locks in an Indian deadlock. Triple H would be furious. What stood out to me in this match is Flair I, I have turns on his loud selling. So like when he like, you know, has his yeah. signature matches with Sting, he's like, Wah! like he really screeches and yeah. screams. And yeah, yeah. it's something we, re- we actually really haven't seen that much on the cast. Like, I think he's phoned it in, but I guess since he respects Hennig that much that he was, he was really, 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 really trying to sell for him. Yeah, he's piling it on a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he, here he was for any, for any time he was like got touched, screaming in agony, and I do think it adds a little bit to the match. And this yeah, is supposed not, to be it's heated not bad. And it was just it was just a stark contrast yeah. from what we're what we're used to seeing from Flair. You mean he didn't sell for Conan? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Flair uses an eye poke to get out of the submission, and then starts picking out Hennig's leg himself, chopping it down. This match descends very quickly into just a bunch of knife edge chops. <laughs> I, I have drunken notes, chops for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah drunken. <laughs> yeah. I just have meanders. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. At this point, I was like, all right, who's going to run in? I watch the Nitros and there's so many run-ins. So that's that's what I was <laughs> expecting for the match. And that's that's why I was just starting to fall asleep. I'm like, just get the run in and get this, get this over with, please. It gets over with, yeah. yeah. I actually dozed off for a second at this point in the match because there's nothing wrong with it. It just slows right down into a couple chops for one guy, a couple chops for the other. And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to show it's a bit of a slog and they're really getting the best of each other and they're all getting hurt. But it became a bit methodical is like the best word I can come up for it. Coolest spot of the match and maybe the night though is Flair crotching Hennig on an open chair and then kicking it closed around his leg twice. And I love spots like this because obviously this was super easy to do, didn't hurt at all, but it looked gnarly and it made like Flair look very confident and clever as the face. I gasped when I saw it. I was shocked. Yeah. I, I mean, it helps that Hennig sells like hell for it, but still like WCW showed this kind of violence I thought was great. And finally, like for this feud, like it, we need to see this kind of violence escalate a little bit. And this was, I thought the perfect spot for it. He taunts a downed head, Hennig, getting confident now after the spot. He grabs the U.S. title, and he throws it on top of him before locking in the figure four, taunting him. Hennig is in a huge amount of pain, sighing the crap out of his legs, just being attacked. But he uses the title belt to break up the hold, and then he hits Flair with it, knocking him out cold. This lets Hennig get the three count and retain the U.S. title. And I kind of like this ending, as much as the match was fine, but not my favorite. I kind of like that Flair is trying to get revenge and make himself cocky and like taunt to the guy that nearly put him out of commission. And that led to Hennig being able to just squeak out a win. So I think Flair looks strong, but like his cockiness got the better of him. And Hennig comes out still champion. Hennig is a good US champion and not 
completely losing the first feud he's in in the company. I don't know. I, I think Flair looks kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think he could have saved it if it, it was just the chair, if he just grabbed the chair that's already in the ring. But the fact that's that he true. grabbed the belt and brought it in, that it, otherwise, I actually enjoyed this match a lot. Like, this is the kind of role, I kind of mentioned this with his match with Piper. Have him in the semi-main event, have like a nice, simple, physical match. And this is enjoyable. I actually like this a lot. Hennig has also yeah. performed very nicely as the US champions. Man, I enjoyed it. Just just use all the smoke and mirrors to make them look better than they're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, de- yeah, decent psychology. I don't mind the belt too much because I don't mind Flair being so mad at Hennig. He's like, screw you. This is my title now. It is a bit stupid that he'd throw it directly at him. I don't mind him having it in the ring and taunting him with it, and maybe Hennig just about reaches it. But throwing it actually on Hennig's body, I guess, is quite stupid. So are you guys ready to sink your teeth into a juicy main event? Let's bring up this question again. Like, why does WCW keep returning to this match? This is the third year in it's a row. so bad. Learn from your mistakes. You know it doesn't work. See, I can understand Roadwild, for example. Like, maybe they had a deal with Sturgis that forced them to have a show there. But for this shit, you <laughs> no. can do whatever you want. I could also be convinced that somewhere there's statistics that say stuff like Sturgis did good business somehow. They could bring up a statistic that's like, we got X amount more viewers or blah, blah, blah. Or we sold a lot of T-shirts at Sturgis. Something stupid. <laughs> I will Eric not just wanted to go there, guys. Yeah, one hundred percent. I cannot believe any statistic would back up that this pay per view is a success. I cannot believe that they go World War Three. The fans enjoyed the crap out of that match. That was so easy to follow. I mean, I guess my rationale is that they they just had to have something that was like the Royal Rumble, and they couldn't do the Royal Rumble. Scale so. it, scale it down to something else, though. Oh like, yeah, it, I agree. We shouldn't be using it. Bischoff is the mastermind. I save money. But you're paying 60 guys for just a match. <laughs> Nobody gives you yes. shit. And two extra rings. Come on! That you can't see as well. Yeah. And you're transporting two extra rings, right? Or you're setting yeah. up two. At least the first one made sense because it was for the actual title as right. well. Yeah. Right. Cool. Whereas this is nebulously for a title shot at a future pay-per-view. At a B pay-per-view as well. It's not one of their big pay-per-views either. It's just like a rando pay-per-view that the champion's always going to retain that as well. It's it's absolute nonsense. It's so hard to follow. Here are some of my notes for the match. I oh, walked go away the, to grab go some the rules food. first, though, because there's some different rules this time. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's Let's true. get the rules. We get Buffer out to explain the complex rules of this battle royale to us. The notable differences from last year is... A wrestler can go to any ring they want. He actually says this because there's these weird like rules where if there's only five men left in every ring, you then come to the middle ring. But he states that wrestlers can go to any ring they want. It makes no sense. And you can also get eliminated if you go to the outside at all. Y- which, yeah, they- which is actually an improvement because I think we mentioned last year that we hate the, the, the rest spot of just going to the outside. So this kind of eliminates that, which is pretty cool. Also, why wouldn't everyone it's do it? Theory. Why wouldn't yeah. everyone just roll under the bottom rope? Then you can exactly. never get eliminated. <laughs> I say that at the Royal Rumble every year. I'm like, why isn't everyone just waiting on the outside until <laughs> until someone tells them to do otherwise? Because some people like to uphold the honor of the system. <laughs> the <honor> system. Okay? <laughs> everyone comes in an orderly line down to the ring. No one gets their own music <laughs> except for the NWO, who get separate music at the end. Yeah, uh, so- way to make everybody look like a geek. <laughs> <by the> way. <laughs> like. 
<laughs> I, I like I some... like that. It, I mean, it's the NW like, eh, we play by our, our own rules, so we come out to our own music. <laughs> I, I thought they'd just fill their rings and then have like I five mean... <laughs> people come out with an entrance, you know what I mean? But instead they have them parade. The parade of plebs, the eliminatables, <laughs> come down to the ring. <laughs> I, got, I got some names I have to mention here. <sighs> who, who, who do you guys oh. have? You go, Connor. Well, uh, Luis Spokoli is a name. We'll actually, we'll, we'll actually cover a match on the podcast. Norman Smiley, I think it's the first time we see him. But yeah. guys like Chris Adams, Barry Darso. Barry Darso. Yeah. Repo Man. Yeah. yeah, that's Repo Man? That's Repo Man. Yeah. Okay. That is Repo Man. <laughs> but you have guys like Silver King, El Dandy. Big names. El Dandy is such a, such a weird name. Yeah, you, you have the old timers. You have Greg the Hammer Valentine. You have the Renegade. Yeah. Jim Duggan, which I'll bring him up later. It's very funny, by the way, that when we say Barry Darso, I think Repo Man instead of Smash straight away. I mean, the Berserker is in this match. He is. Yeah, John Nord is there. Yeah, John. Like, completing the trifecta of WWF 80s mid-carters. Did we say Ray Park is back? No, I didn't. Ray Park is there. Ray Park uh, is there. Super Kahlo is is randomly there for the first time in forever. Yeah, it's, all, it's basically all the Lucha guys. I, I didn't say them as jobbers, yeah. really, just because like we've we've seen them. They're on Nitro, so it's it's fine. But all the other guys I mentioned, it's like they're not on Nitro ever. Bobby Blaze was the last WCW guy to come out. Oh yeah, what a guy! Bobby what a guy! What <laughs> best for last? Yep. Uh, then we got the NWO guys, a bunch of them, and what is missing? Nash is not there in commentary. Think that his surgery might have prevented him from being there and wrestling that night. Don't forget about K Dog. I don't know why K Dog's not there either. Oh yeah, but yeah, because he's, just because not, he's not worth being there. That's why Ooh, Barry Blaze, Barry Blaze deserved him. to be in the match. Barry Blaze needed to be in the match, but K Dog, you stay backstage. How how bad though, right? So like, I'm gonna skip forward a little bit because Conan does show up later on. Right? He does. Yes. How bad do you have to feel? That fucking John Nord and Super Calo and all these other jobs get to be in no the show, less. and you don't. <laughs> and you don't. <laughs> well, it depends how much you get paid for coming out at the end. Is how bad I feel. I would say mm, if I yeah. paid the same as them for just high fiving Hulk Hogan, mm. I'd be in. To be fair, Norton doesn't come out, but he's hurt though, so that that's why he isn't there. Also, he's a big thing in Japan. He needs to save his energy for people who actually like him. So uh, one one last thing I want to just yell about or. Why are there refs in the ring? Oh, I have that noted. Yeah, it frustrates me so much. <laughs> They're in the way of everything. Get the fuck out of the ring, referees. They're not even doing their jobs correctly either, because like they have to yell at the refs like over the ropes, like, no, no, no you got to go. Like, So I assume what they've done is in WWE uh, for Royal Rumbles, it's really interesting how people communicate. And so the refs talk to downed wrestlers, and then there's some veterans in the ring that help the match come along. You'll see a lot of time in WWE, people who are allocated as like Iron Man a lot of times also have good experience in rumbles and are trusted to like run the matches. I think they're having the referees run the match for this because you can see at one point Giant and Mang are going to fight and the ref basically just stops them because they are going to be the last two in their segment of the ring. And uh, I think he's like, whoa, no, 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 save it. The cameras aren't going to be on you yet. They also botched that, though, because of the rules explanation. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Because it's meant to go down to five people in each ring. Then they're meant to come into one ring. But because of everything not timing very well, one of the rings has five people, like, after two minutes. And so they start standing around because the rest are like, there's only five here. We have to wait until the thing. And then eventually they're like, somebody obviously calls them and they're like, 
guys, get them to wrestle again because it looks really fucking stupid. <laughs> so then they start wrestling again. There's a random point, I think, where it's like, I, I want to say it's David Taylor, where there's five people in a ring and David Taylor comes in. So now there's six. So they're all out wrestle again. And then he gets promptly dumped. And then they go back to doing nothing again. <laughs> yeah, they never explain this rule, so the crowd don't know it. You know what the most annoying thing is to me? It's just so flawed. The commentary talk all the time about how the NWO gets to team up against everyone else, their team, and no one else is. Except WCW could just eliminate the entire NWO. It would literally be 55 other guys or whatever, 50 guys against the 10 NWO guys, knock them out, and then just win it amongst yourselves. Especially when you, Michael Buffer notes, hey, wrestlers can go into the other rings. Really? Yeah. yeah. Let's go beat up yeah. the NWO, who of just course- Just destroys it, yeah. Just destroys who of course are presence. all in the same ring as well, too. Yeah. Again. Who just decide to get into one ring and not leave. <laughs> like, it's so, I, oh, in my it's notes, so- two of my notes are, at this point, I walked away to get some food, and this is literally unwatchable. Also, I think I was one of those 60 men in the match. I could have been. No one would know. (laughs) To follow on from the excellent, excellent camera work that has been perpetrated on us all night, they get a massive close-up of, uh, is it Rocco? No, Johnny Grunge making absolute hangs of getting thrown out of the ring. (laughs) And, And rather than move, they just stay on him for as long as possible until he does get thrown out of the ring. And it's, it's terrible. Ray has a spot in the match where he's like eliminated by NWO members, but he hangs on to the actual apron of the ring. Like the, not the apron, the whatever you want to call it, the fabric hanging out of the apron. I'm like, this is cool. He's going to get back in. They don't let him get back in. They just keep stomping him until he falls. And it's just this really awkward because they move away with him with the camera. And then like, hold on, is Ray still hanging on? And the camera goes to him as NWO members just lay boots in from the inside of the ring. I'm like, where's the drama, guys? Let him get back in. Well, yeah, we're a little chaotic right now of this order, but that's kind of what this is. That's the match. It, that's the match. <laughs> I, I, you can't tell what's going on My ever. Team. So even the commentators. <laughs> so it's, it's only down to three people. We don't have our... We don't have our multiple teams with uh, Lee Marshall, unfortunately, but they can't call this match. Bobby asks, no, how no. do we call this match? Tony says, uh, we'll call it like we see it. Oh, boy. How are you going to call it like you see this one? Because you can't see shit. It's just so unorganized. and uh, We are also now being unorganized, but there is no way for us to bring you through this match. I would say you have to watch it, but please don't watch it. <laughs> it is a waste of 25 minutes of your <laughs> yeah. life. Unless you want to see the budding start of a Wrath versus Renegade feud, because yeah. they decided to pay, <laughs> decide to pay attention to that in during the match for some reason. Your biggest star is getting eliminated. Some of your open comers just out of the ring. DDP gets eliminated. Spoilers: he doesn't win at one stage, and they don't even say anything about it. But you got to focus on Renegade. <laughs> you got to see what he's up to when he gets eliminated. Oh my God. They're fighting to the back, everybody. I don't care. Uh, like, <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> Where's Barry Darso? I'd rather see what he's doing. Seriously. And the thing is, too, like, you know how obvious this match is going to be, like, how it's going to be booked from the way it's laid out. It's like, oh, NWO members are in one ring. DDP's in another. Hmm. Giants in the other one. I wonder what's going to happen. So you, you just get, it's a lot of time wasting. I wish they just ripped off the Royal Rumble. Like, who cares? Yeah, just do it. Like, you're beating them like, with everything else. Just do a better Royal Rumble than them. 
you could just repackage it in some way. Yeah, like it's just like we're going to do all the NWO members against 10 WCW guys or something. Yeah, it's easy. You could have just done like 40 men. Mm-hmm. Just do 40. Be the first ones to do 40. Be like, yeah, you have a 30-man rumble. We'll do 40. So you, Fuck you. you could do a score system. You could even go like Connor's idea, NWO versus WCW. Whoever eliminates more other members wins. Scoring sounds way too complicated already. <laughs> <laughs> but anything is better than this. And like the wrestlers have no idea what to do because this is such a unique match. So often they're just standing there looking at each other. The one person that works for us, I think they do Giant quite well. Giant looks very disheveled and his cells that he's in pain with his cast the whole match because he has to keep using his hand. And I thought that was quite good. And he has an excuse to stand there. He's injured. But then it makes it look so much stupider when anyone else stands still and does nothing. But he is like the only guy with a good excuse not to be actively seeking out. Like he keeps backing into corners to make sure he doesn't have to fight. It's this nice mixture of he's not a coward. Anytime someone approaches him, he eliminates them. He eliminates like 10 people in this match or something. But he also knows he's very hurt. That's probably one of the few positives of this match, I think, is that Giant actually does look, I don't want to say like a million bucks, but from what we've seen, I mean, we haven't seen any of them like the past couple episodes. So this is just a nice kind of resurgence from him. Yeah, I am going to run through to the end, near to the end here. Well, before you do that, I have to mention one thing. Fuck Jim Duggan. Why why do you put Jim Duggan in this match? Because like (laughs) we're focusing on one ring and all in the background. All you hear is, oh, (laughs) it's so annoying. (laughs) I'm speaking of terrible gimmicks that got over. The crowd popped to him. Every time, yeah. every time Pretty you hear it, the crowd are like, way it's something they react to. <laughs> I'm like, fuck off, Jim, get out of the ring. <sighs> oh, he's in the match for a long time, too. Is, yeah. yeah. Remember how fast he wrapped that tape around his hand to punch DDP, though? I forgot about that. <laughs> Highlight of the cast. <laughs> so fast. It comes down to all the NWO members in Ring 1, uh, and they refuse to go to Ring 2, even though now that there's only a couple of WCW wrestlers left, they're all told to go to Ring 2. They beat up Ref Trauma out of the ring and say they're not moving. Why are they not just disqualified from the match? Why does someone not just come World out? World War Three. Why does someone not just come out and go, okay, you're all disqualified. Anyone left in the other rings, you may continue fighting for, for the number one contendership. Well done. You played yourself then, W.O. Eventually, the WCW members just rush the ring and start beating up NWO members. We have Giant, DDP, Lex Luger, a couple others. I think Rick Steiner's left in there for the WCW crowd. Booker as well. So the signs already that they see Booker T as a future prospect, I think. Uh, eventually, a couple of the WCW members get bumped out. The four members of the NWO try and knock out Luger to get an even bigger numbers advantage. Giant throws a bunch of them out as they're all trying to do this. And we're left to the last four. DDP, Giant, Hall, and Macho Man. If I was a betting man, these were probably the final four I would have had in after the, this year. Macho tries for the elbow drop off the top rope on DDP. Giant stands in the way for what I thought was like a nice visual. This whole match just boils down to this one visual of a giant protecting DDP and giant, as Connor said, looking like a million bucks. Macho tries to jump over him anyway, but gets caught midair. He avoids getting hurt by getting a thumb to the eye, but Diamond, uh, Diamond Dallas Page ends up hitting the diamond cutter. He goes to roll DD, uh, he goes to roll. Macho under the bottom rope, but Giant stops him 
with a little bit of callback, is he maybe NWO after all? No, he just wants to pick him up and injure his hand more by choke slamming him. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it does make Giant look kind of tough and the hero of the evening. One of the more mediocre choke slams, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't look great. It's just Hall left and he scrambles into the middle ring to get away from the two faces. He points at the entrance ramp. We get the NWO music and we all assume Nash is coming out, but then it changes to the Hogan NWO music. I assume it changes to Voodoo Child. The actual show. On the actual show, but it just changed to slightly different NWO music on the network. And uh, Hogan comes out. Hogan, of course, is champion and he can't fight himself. Or can he? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he's, uh, he's just there to play spoiler to make sure there isn't a number one contender. The crowd with extremely loud, we want Sting chants. We know who the over baby face is. A fresh Hogan quickly slams the giant and gets no the early deal. advantage. Yeah, no big deal. Just slams <laughs> yeah. him. It's very casually done. Yeah, this yeah. wasn't the premise of an entire match or anything. <laughs> Crowd do pop, though. They, they, they do good up for it. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like it to an extent that it's nonchalant, but it is kind of weird at the same time. Just then, Sting propels down from the uh, rafters with a completely <laughs> different... Repels. <hand>. Repels. <laughs> What did I say? Propel. That would end messily, yeah. <laughs> Repels yeah. down from the rafters with a completely different hair color and height <laughs> and girt. Oh. And walks over the top rope. But it's Sting. Yeah. Hogan eliminates yeah. DDP oh, yeah. without any uh, without any uh, fanfare at all. Commentary don't even notice it. I had to rewind it. I was like, when did when did DDP get eliminated? Yeah. So it's it the problem when when Nash, I'm sorry, fixed Sting goes in the ring. Yeah. It kind of blocks. It kind of blocks the <laughs> shot. Lot. Of course, thanks thanks production. I would love to have the hard camera there. Kevin Nash, I mean Sting, <laughs> steps over the top rope. Like Sting gets into the ring every time he's got into the ring, right over that top rope. And Hogan runs away, eliminating himself. If you are some kind of moron and had not realized that this was a different person by now. Hogan goes from acting scared to making fun of crowd members and saying, you'll see what's about to happen to them. (laughs) Completely giving away (laughs) the twist that's about to happen. Uh, Sting, uh, 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 Sting, I mean Nash. I mean Sting. Eliminates Giants. Big sexy Sting. (laughs) Big sexy Sting. (laughs) Diesel Sting. Eliminates Giants. Big Daddy Cool Sting. (laughs) (laughs) And then for a second shows down with with Scott Hall, which makes no sense because Scott is the only member left, so he wins. He takes off his mask, and surprise, it is actually Sting. No, it was it was it was Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash was under the mask, laughing all the way to the bank for his night's work. <laughs> and after this, the NWO beat up DDP for some reason for a while. Hogan hits a diamond cutter. Got got a Barry DDP. Hey, a you can you can do a move. Cool. You can you can do a different move. <laughs> he can show you. He has more than two moves. Johnny Ace probably showed him it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he wasn't actually doing. He didn't even know what DDP's finish was. That was just an Ace crusher. Yeah, exactly. dedicating it to Johnny Ace. Uh yeah. This is bad. This is just disrespectful to people who watch your product. Is what it is. <laughs> I guess my big problem too with this is like commentary just doesn't seem really that mad either. It's probably because we've seen this finish like three or four paper reviews in a row now. Like why does the NWO consistently have to go over and fool the WCW guys and make them WCW seem so stupid? It's it's enough already. 
My, my thing is, for the other ones, it made sense to an extent where you're like, we need them to believe it's Sting, either to sow dissent in the ranks or to get close enough to them to do something. They just hit Giant with a bat when his back is turned to win the match. They could have done that without a fake Sting <laughs> costume. This was just to swerve the crowd for no reason. And no one in the crowd thought it was Sting in the first place. When he comes down from the rafters for a second, the crowd like, oh, oh. That's not Sting. <laughs> that guy's that guy's four foot taller. <laughs> right. Commentary has to like, oh, big surprise. We got swerved because commentary, unfortunately, has to sell that it's actually Sting. How long they have to sell it is so funny because I don't mind if they sell it at first and like, hang on, is that? Wait. And then as they unveil, like, oh, my God, it isn't. They have to sell it for like five minutes <laughs> as he steps over the rope. He's obviously refused to wear a wig or they don't have a wig for him. He's a, he's not a fat guy, but he's a lot thicker than Sting. He's a lot bigger than Sting. It's just it's just on so many levels, and the commentary have to be like, oh no, he's eliminated giant. Why would he ever do this? What is he doing? That is a weird move for Sting that we know and love. But now he's going to fight Hall. Oh wait, no, they're not going to fight. They're friends all along. They had us. You can hear Bobby drinking in the background. I'm pretty sure Bobby even goes, since when does Sting, like, vault over the top rope with his legs? It's, it's <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody says that on commentary, like, pointing it out. You're like, yeah, we, we can all tell, Bobby. But who is this for? Are they like, the fans are going to be so mad we deceive them? This is going to get us good heat? This is going to be a cool swerve? No one's believing it. The kids are going to cry? <laughs> I have to wonder if... If they knew that Kevin was going to do this all along, why did Hulk take his spot? <laughs> I don't Wouldn't know. Wouldn't Kev want to win? Well, I don't know. <laughs> that's what I have in the notes. How much better... So, say they want to trick us. The whole point is they want to trick us and they want to trick the WCW and they want it to be a cool reveal at the end. How much more effective is it... Oh, there's only 59 men. Oh my God, Sting is in a rumble. Because he's not an official member. What if it's, oh my God, Sting is here. Sting's going to help. It's like Trion... Three on one for the NW, NWO or something, and he eliminates two of them and then eliminates the WCW guy. That'd be so cool. But instead, it's like, here's a person that doesn't matter. Hogan's so scared he eliminated himself and Giant is gone. Okay, I guess the match is over. Did the other guys just not tell Hogan about this plan? <laughs> or were they, were they going next, next level on WCW? Next, next level. He's so much smarter than them. That's why he can't wear a wig. It's why they can't purchase a wig. It's also if Hogan, if they don't tell Hogan, Hogan takes a spot. If they do tell Hogan, he doesn't take a spot. And technically there hasn't been a winner yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still going on to today. <laughs> the match is still going 22 years later. <laughs> Although it depends. We can find the camera. We can find out who left the ring first and then we can decide who's the winner between the two of them. It's so bad in some This might be the worst piece. Not the worst piece of booking because you could argue... Dungeon of Doom and a couple other things that were mishandled and lots of small things, but it's just so it insults the intelligence of your viewers in such a bad way. I got to bring up the booking as well. Even without hindsight being 2020 and knowing exactly what's going to happen over the next 10, 15 years, you got to be a bit skeptical about giving Scott Hall a title shot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah. even there, it's just so unnecessary. We've seen him with the tag team titles it's so unnecessary to have him in title pictures. He's so over, it doesn't matter. And like the next person to hold the title is going to be a WCW guy. And then you can have Hall go after him later, maybe, I guess. But 
See, I, I disagree. I think Hall's been one of the like MVPs of the show. Oh no, I it's nothing to do with him not being deserving of it. I just purely mean his out of wrestling. Oh problem. sure, sure, yeah, yeah. That's and fine. I think that That's I all. think that becomes more apparent in early in '98. I think, but I don't yeah. know. It, it could be argued. Like I, what I thought more was this. This could have been a perfect opportunity to give DDP the win, and just thought the way yeah. that the show has been booked the past couple of months. They've been teasing Hogan versus DDP for a long time. And obviously that that comes about with obviously the Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman. Some thing. caveats. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's <laughs> still that's a while away. And the crowd explode when they get two diamond cutters. Like explode. Like they they want yeah. to see the diamond cutter. So not saying he needs to win the title or something, but give him a chance. And it's we have to wait another year for him to get that chance. Yeah, it'd also be pretty cool um having him because he kind of painted himself at the start as this like badass loner, doesn't need WCW, just is going to fight anyone that's close to him. You could have him be like, I don't care if Sting or Hogan wins. I'm going to win at the next pay-per-view. So it doesn't matter. I'm waiting in the background. You know what I mean? You can have him yep. as a special guest referee for the main event if you wanted and have a rub off on him a bit that way. There's lots of options you could do. It just seems so irrelevant to give the win to Scott Hall. I, no, I think he deserves it, like, from a wrestling perspective. I mean, if you're going to give it to anybody from that side, he's the best one to go with. Yeah, I, I can agree with that if you're going to. I think it's just really stupid to give it to them. I don't think there's a point in having a heel uh, with it. I mean, oh. it does it does make sense from a generic booking standpoint because they have to know that Sting is going to go over at Starcade. I mean, he becomes one of the first de facto challengers and you build up to Hogan getting the belt back somehow. That's fair. In theory. In theory. Also, of a little bit of note, though, this doesn't always matter. It doesn't have to be the case. All our matches were won by heels except for the Steiner match, which is a bit of a weird pay-per-view. But maybe they're trying to set a tone coming up to Starcade, and then, like, the big face faces can win at Starcade, so you need them to be losing beforehand. Could be the case. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That, that could be the case. I, I, th- I think we talked about how since Super Bowl is like so it's far away in the distance. So that's why I think you could actually have a WCW guy win the match. But yeah, I, yeah. I, it's it's probably useless going over because obviously it, it was a really bad match. It was long. It was just such a slog and nobody cared. It seemed like like I think the past few years, the commentators, I, while the, the excitement was a little bit forced and probably manufactured, they didn't really care. Like, oh, this guy was eliminated. Oh, there goes that guy. It really didn't seem like it mattered. It seemed like this war between these two factions just didn't seem as grand either. It's such a throwaway show. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just, they just didn't seem to care going in at all. Like, It's poor. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys now. I don't think there's much more we can dissect in this last match. Nope. But Connor, <laughs> after this paper, tell, tell me what you think of the pay-per-view overall. And tell me whose side are you on after this? Oh, Gus, Gus is completely right. Forgettable show. Another thing that makes it pretty forgettable, no title changes either. We had a couple feuds conclude. The Battle Royal as a match, it's terrible for this angle. This should be the time WCW has the advantage, but NWO, they come away with it again with the win. And shocking, somebody from a NWO faction will win again next year. Surprise, surprise with that. <laughs> what? But yeah. as far as whose side I'm on, I'm going to be on Scott Hall's side. I'm, I'm going to defend him. I... Nash and Six, they're both hurt. Hall's been carrying the NWO with his matches and promos. And unfortunately, the downfall of his career, it's looming. And it's going to be sad to see because 
I think he's one of the best in the company right now. Agreed. I can agree on that. How about you, Gus? What do you think of the pay-per-view as a whole? Whose side are you on at the end of it? Yeah, I got to agree with Connor. Um, Hall is the correct choice from the NWO. If they're going to go with somebody like that, maybe there's a better route with the whole rest of the roster. Maybe Barry Darso. Like, mm. He deserves a push. A shot. <laughs> but yeah, so forgettable, so bland. They make some really poor decisions for characters that are supposed to be being showcased, I think. I don't think they're going to recover from them somehow because if that's how they're starting with the angle, I just don't have any faith in them. They're clearly waiting on Starcade as their like big marquee show to jumpstart things. They're missing a lot of the usual suspects, as it were. So I can only hope next month is better because this was really poor. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Giant because I got to... Mm. Gotta feel good for him because he he finally got to look like an actual monster for for a change. Uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but we did not mention that his standoff with Mang I thought was awesome. I, I'd love to see that feud. Yeah. yeah, I would have paid to see that as an actual match. It was sweet. Yep. So I think they did they did a reasonable job with him. I have no faith in them keeping up with that job, but nope. he at least got to be the kind of character he's supposed to be for a little while, and I thought that was cool and. He's probably the best part of that match. Maybe DDP. It's it's one of those two, I think. Spoilers, I don't think Giants on Starcade. Yeah, not shocked. <laughs> As for me, for some reason, even though I don't think this was the worst quality show we've watched, this has to be in the bottom three of the ones we've reviewed. Between nonsensical stuff, debuts that were disappointing, and Disco Inferno, I didn't enjoy watching this at all. I also, as I said, feel bad for some people because I don't think they're doing anything wrong. The booking is just doing them wrong. And it could be done so much better. Hindsight is perfect, obviously. And it's hard to rag on people when you weren't in that situation. But it feels like they have such, they have lightning in a bottle. And it could be so easy to direct that in such positive ways. And they're just not. And that's heartbreaking. I think I am on WCW side just because I need Sting. I need Sting to get here. I need stuff to change up. I need to actually see him wrestle because I think Sting is still a decent wrestler at this stage. So I, I'd like to see non, some of his non-Hulk Hogan matches coming up. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hope Sting changes things for the better. I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's us for another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. Can they find us anywhere else, Connor? Uh, yes, Dave, they can. They can find us on SoundCloud and pretty much anywhere you want to find podcasts, also Spotify. And you can check us out on our Vimeo page. Our Bash at the Beach main event video should be up by now. Once again, thanks, Dylan, to, for editing that together. It was a delight revisiting that famous match in this whole feud for the podcast. From me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening. And join us next time when WCW Fuck It Up 